Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, <laughs> everyone. Welcome <laughs> to... Ah, oh, yes. Okay. A different kind of random conversation. Different kind of random <laughs> conversation, but we upheld the, upheld the tradition. So, welcome, everyone, to episode oh, five. I didn't get to it, shit. You didn't get to steal my line today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, got, we got the random conversation in anyway. We yeah. did. We'll take that, we'll take that. So, hello everyone. Welcome to episode 5 of our Terror of Sothogua campaign. This episode is entitled The Dark Wood. Dun, dun, dun. It has yeah. been a while since the events of the last episode, since that traumatic ordeal with the Boy Scouts infected by the immortal soul of a Hyperborean sorcerer, his consciousness trapped within the body of a formless spawn of Sothogua. That happened at the opening of winter, the end of fall as the temperatures lowered and the first hints of winter snow began to blanket the Miskatonic Valley. It has been just over four months since that time. Winter has come and run its course, blanketing Arkham and the surrounding countryside in a carpet of white frost and snow, confining the inhabitants of Arkham to their homes and business places, not willing to venture out into the almost sub-zero temperatures that regularly grip this section of Massachusetts every year. You've taken this time to conduct your own avenues of research into the Hyperborean menace now that it has emerged in your own backyard. The last lead that you were given is that poor Elijah, the unwilling vessel for the Hyperborean wizard, discovered the formless spawn somewhere on the outskirts of the backwater village of Dunwich. And so, it is here that you have concentrated most of your investigations, tapping any local contacts in the area, spending some time in the village itself, and keeping an eye on local scuttlebutts and local media alike, trying to see if anything out of the ordinary that may have the may have the taste of Hyperborean meddling about it reaches your ears. It is now mid to late March of 1927. The holiday period has come and gone, and a new year has been rung in. To most people, it is an optimistic uh, optimistic period with the new year come promises of new dreams, new prospects, new ventures. But for all of you, none of these promises seem quite real. To you, 
ringing in of the new year seems to bring only a deep sense of foreboding, the knowledge that your quest against the Hyperboreans may be coming to an end very soon. You have not heard anything from the Miskatonic University. Professor Matheson has, through all these months, failed to respond to any of your requests for uh, correspondence or any of your inquiries about what the materials you brought back from Greenland have amounted to, where they have gone. The cover-up you orchestrated about the death of the Boy Scouts has likewise resulted in that particular incident being buried in false stories, murmurings, questionings, and bizarre tales spread through the fringe population of Arkham. The last snows of winter have melted away, the temperatures begin to rise, and greenery once again profligates throughout the Miskatonic Valley. Myra Digger, you are the first to receive note that anything that that anything foul is currently is currently lurking in the underbelly of the village of Dunwich. You receive a letter from a woman known as Rebecca Hillbridge, formerly Rebecca Whitney, a young woman who you remember from your college days when you were learning about the Norse language. At this time, Rebecca was studying library sciences with an intention of moving into a career as a librarian. She did not study the same thing, but despite the fact that she's quite a bit younger than you, you became quite close, becoming friends, and although you haven't had much contact since those years, you occasionally write letters to each other, checking in at least a couple of times a year, and you have maintained contact, still cautiously considering this woman your friend. Her latest letter, however, is somewhat disconcerting, knowing that she eventually married a man by the name of Orem Hillbridge and settled down in Dunwich, you have asked her to keep you abreast of any strange going-ons in that area, and it seems that she has responded to your request. Her letter informs you that she and her husband, Orem, now an aspiring archaeologist, and also a fellow student that you remember vaguely, a temporary living in an old house in Dunwich Township, where her husband is excavating and studying ancient artefacts. Meanwhile, Rebecca is spending her time organising the papers of an old Dunwich family, using her knowledge of the library sciences to help old Dunwich families and other personalities in the area to organise uh, old records. Rebecca's letter has the tone of fearfulness. 
She claims to have seen someone watching the house during the day when her husband is gone. She writes that she catches only glimpses of this person and knows only he is a tall man with long, dark hair. Her husband, Oram, tells her not to worry, but Rebecca cannot overcome her fear. She writes, Myra, could you please come to Dunwich and help ease her fears? How do you respond to this letter, Myra? What do you do upon receiving it? And do you contact the other members of your de facto investigation group that has formed over the past months? I... Uh, Myra will... immediately write pen a response letter going somewhere along the lines of um uh, I will be I will be up there uh very soon uh, I will bring some associates with me who uh I believe can help you um yeah, basically just saying, I'll be there soon, I'll have some friends with me, um, stay safe, stay indoors. Do you, in your letter, provide any hint of what you suspect may be going on in and around Dunwich? Do you have any mention of the Hyperboreans or any of the past ordeals who have been through? Or do you simply tell her to make sure she takes care of herself and await your arrival. Um... Do I have any reason to think anything's been happening around Dunwich exactly, or...? All you know is that, uh, Elijah of the Boy Scouts, uh, supposedly... Oh, that's right, yeah. he came from there, didn't he? He, he moved right. from Dunwich and also supposedly unearthed the formless spawn somewhere in the vicinity of that town. Oh, right, 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 right. Um... So you do suspect uh, that there is some Hyperborean influence in that yeah, area, um, but... Okay, in that case, um... Yeah, I'll tell her that, uh... Be extra careful. There may be a reason someone is watching you, seeing as your husband is an archaeologist. Um, don't go anywhere by yourself, and that that advice is the same for your husband. Very well. You pen this and send the letter through urgent post, hoping that it will reach Rebecca within the next few days. I would like and, you to... Yep. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like you to please make an education check. Uh, that I can most probably do. Watch this fail, <laughs> because why should I pass when I only have a 20% chance to fail? That's usually how this works. Oh, it is. That's an all pass. That's an all pass. Hey. So after you send the letter off, you remember your college days with Rebecca and her now husband, Oram. And something doesn't quite fit. You remember that Oram Hellbridge was pursuing a general degree 
and at the time, he seemed to express no particular interest in archaeology. You were left with a lingering impression that Orem was nowhere near as sharp as Rebecca, but the fact that he seems to now consider himself an archaeologist is, at the very least, news to you. Uh, okay. You uh, waste ominous. <laughs> After sending the letter, I'm going to gather as many of the others as I can yes. as are available. So you quickly waste no time in contacting the others. Mike Moxley, who Mike Moxley, the moment you hear the name Dunwich, uh, knowing. Uh, what happened previously and its connection to that area, I'm sure your first impulse is that there's definitely a scoop waiting for you there. Yep, there's a story out there. Let's go find it. Hopefully I won't die this time. Yes, and (laughs) wherever Mike Moxley is, Arkansas Smith (laughs) is not far behind. I was going to say, Arkansas and Mike Moxley have spent a lot of time together. Uh, He... Uh, tricks Mike Moxley into saying that he had information when in fact he was actually getting him to a signing. Yes. Yes. You've basically tricked Mike Moxley into being your PR engine over the last few months. Save for a brief interview you conducted with the journalist uh, Roberta who you promised to spend some time with. Though what you gave her was only an old adventure tale from several years ago that Mike Moxley deemed uh, not contemporary enough to publish in his ongoing coverage of you. Myra, you also contact Dr. Eustace Earle, the psychologist, who, as a friend of uh, one of the deceased members of your group, uh immediately insists upon hearing of Rebecca's letter that he must accompany you. And furthermore, his skills in psychology may prove useful, as they did when you were investigating the mystery of the juvenile delinquents several months ago. You attempt to contact uh, Mr. Carisberg, the mountaineer, though you were told that at this time... He is unfortunately conducting an expedition uh, in the jungles of South America and will not be able to reach you in time to accompany you to Dunwich. And so you resign yourself to having to make do without him and hope that your investigations do not bring you uh, too much into the great outdoors without his (laughs) guidance. Yes. I will, when we all gather, I will inform them that a long-time friend is being stalked, basically. Her husband has a surprising interest in archaeology, and this is probably going to be very dangerous, but give us a lot of answers. Yes. And so... And uh, with that, I will be right back. Yep. And so, a few days later, you all find yourselves uh, at the Dunwich Fork off Aylesbury Pike, just past the small village of Dean's Corners. Although the sign pointing the way to Dunwich appears to have been 
taken down off the side of the road. Now, the locals of Dean's Corners and the map you brought with you from Arkham have pointed you in this direction and left you with uh, no uncertainty that this is indeed the way to Dunwich. You have left your vehicles behind at a scenic overlook just outside Dean's Corners as the maps you have brought with you have informed you that the Dunwich Fork is not suitable for traversal by motor cars. The road is quite rough, it hasn't been paved over, it's mostly it's mostly uh, a dirt trail through the woods of the Miskatonic Valley and as such is noted to be a road that should be traversed only via foot traffic or through a horse-drawn carriage. Orem Hillbridge is waiting for you at the intersection and as he sees you uh, walk up to the intersection from the outskirts of Dean's Corners, he waves to greet you, a fastidiously dressed man in a bowler hat. Hillbridge sits in a buckboard wagon drawn by a mismatched team of ponies and mules. He tips his hat to each of you, uh, offers a bulbous hand and says, Ah, Rebecca's friend from Arkham. Ah, I've been waiting here to meet up with you and help you bring, uh, help you uh, come back to Dunwich. I am Orem Hillbridge, soon to be the greatest archaeologist of the Miskatonic Valley, are glad to make your acquaintance. Coming for a title, are we? He nods. He says, yes, yes, indeed. I have made the discovery of a lifetime. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Mike Moxley just... <laughs> just said Mike, just in the background, it's just right in the back of his head going, oh, God, not again. And the discovery of a lifetime. I'll be the judge of that, thank you. He looks at you. I would like you, Arkansas, to please make an appearance check. Ooh. Okay. That is a normal pass. Orem sort of as he as he shakes Mike Moxley's hand and then turns to face you, he goes red in the face and sort of startles jumping with his bowler hat growing askew on his head nearly falling off and Here he says he says by by god you're Arkansas Smith aren't you why yes I am pleasure is all mine he says I had so the ego grows yep yeah. so the ego grows he says I had no idea that Rebecca had friends of such high caliber. Well, I wasn't expecting a fellow archaeologist to come along, but please, please feel free to lend your expertise. I feel with your help, my my excavation will be finished so much sooner, and perhaps we shall reap in the credits the glory and the fame equally. Oh, uh, that would be lovely. Just looks over at Mike Moxley and just winks. 
Mike just sitting there, like, obviously being polite about introducing himself, but that whole spiel has heard it before and has seen, more importantly, what happened to the last person who said it. So is naturally quite nervous about everything right now. <laughs> um, what did I miss, sorry? Uh, just that you've you've arrived at the in at the intersection of Islesbury Pike that leads to um, Dunwich, and Orem Hillbridge has met you at this intersection in a horse-drawn cart because the road to Dunwich is not suitable uh, for motor cars. It's quite treacherous no. terrain and everyone you've spoken to and the map you've brought along um, recommends travelling either via foot or via horseback. Um, Hillbridge uh, shakes Mike Moxley's hand and he says, Just the same, having a reporter along will suit me greatly. You can take photographs of me digging up the find of a lifetime, and perhaps, just as I shall become the most renowned archaeologist of the Miskatonic Valley, you may perhaps become the greatest journalist of the 20th century, I dare say. Question, what was the name of the guy we helped out the first time he went completely insane? Uh, that was Professor Manning. Okay, hearing that, uh, shaking his hand, going, Oh, so you're competing with, uh, Professor Manning there, are you? He nods, Just he to says, see what his reaction is. He nods, and he says, Ah! Ah, you're familiar with Professor Manning's work? Yes, you might say my work is, in a way, related to his, except, well, he grew weak of stomach, and perhaps the pressure of dealing with such a great find, uh was not something he could uh, make peace with. I am... Well, I'm made of much sterner stuff, so I shall succeed where he failed. You will be there to chronicle everything about it. Really? What makes mm -hmm. you think you are more worthy than previous pe people? He says, well, I shall tell you on the way to Dunwich. For now, let us uh, conclude our introductions. He introduces himself to Eustace Earl, who just shakes his hand, and Orem shrugs, he says, a psychologist, I'm not sure what use you'll be at an archaeological dig, but uh, <laughs> I'll reserve my judgments. He then finally turns his gaze to Myra, and Myra, you notice the first reaction he has is to look at your face. Um, is your face currently uncovered? Huh? It's... I don't have sunglasses on, but I do have the hat, so it, it, it's in shade. It's in shadow, at least. He looks at your face, and despite the fact that it's in shadow, he clearly notices at least some of your scarring, and the broad, beaming smile he has on his face quickly turns to a frown. He still holds out his hand, and he says, Myra, it's been a long time. He nervously proffers a hand. I will take his hand and shake it. Why, yes, yes, it has. Um, is, uh, what kind of check would it be to see why he was... A psychology check. Uh, and that's why uh, we brought the psychologist along. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, fuck it, I'll try. You can go ahead. But... <laughs> 
Yeah, I wouldn't be holding breath on that one. Nah. <laughs> Even with a push nut. Yep. So, it could just be he hasn't seen you in a long time, and he's just startled by how different you look. You notice in the background that Eustace Earl just curls his bottom lip and looks away, and he's clearly noticed something. Uh, Orem shakes your hand, and he says, Myra, last time we met, I, I do say, it looks as if you've been through quite the ordeal since then, if you don't mind me saying. I guess you could say that life has taken some chunks out of me, yes. He says, well, uh, I'm sure Rebecca will be interested to hear what uh, life has had in store for you uh, since last you met. Uh, please, please, he gestures towards the horse-drawn cart. Uh, make yourselves comfortable, and I shall take you into Dunwich and to the home where Rebecca and I have currently taken up residence. Yes, okay. Sounds good. Um, I will now be muted. If yep. you speak to me and I don't answer, um, just remind me that I'm muted. That's fair enough. Yep. <laughs> so once all your bags have been loaded on the wagon, and you climb aboard and squeeze in on this tiny vehicle, jostling with each other, there's barely enough room to sit side by side without squeezing your shoulders in amongst one another. Hillbridge turns the rig around and uh, directs the uh, pony and mule team to begin the nearly hour-long ride through the glens and over ridges to the village. During the ride, Oram proves quite talkative, waxing enthusiastic about his find, convinced that he has found proof of Viking explorers in early America. Yes, 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 he says, I have found what I believe to be a burial vault of unusual design just on the outskirts of Dunwich, but undoubtedly of Viking origin. In fact, I believe it may be the very same group of Vikings who built that village uh, near Rockport and Arkham that Professor Manning was uh, excavating before the pressure of it all got to him. Perhaps after I'm done excavating this burial vault, I'll turn my attentions to the dig that Professor Manning abandoned. Do any of you have anything, any questions to ask or anything to say as Orem goes into great detail about this so-called find of the 20th century that he I is... So, uh, no. yep. I can sort of just sitting back, taking notes, just thinking that uh, doesn't sound like much at this stage compared to what he's done. Sure, yes. In fact, Arkansas, I'll ask you to make an archaeology check, please. That is a 37, so that is a normal pass. So, as, uh, as Oram and Mike and Myra talk, you start to get the impression that 
Hillbridge is full of hot air. His knowledge of archaeology and the local history of the Dunwich area seems scanty and sketchy at best. In fact, he seems far more interested in publicity and fame than in accurately identifying the site he's discovered. Oh man, it's cut from the same cloth, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sweating words, that is. Well, oh, maybe I'll find another reporter. Hey, I didn't say that that was Myra. Leave me out of this. <laughs> so, Mike Moxley, go ahead. You were going to say something. I love that occasionally I can pipe in and it sounds like Michael said it. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yes, it's, it's official. You've been with me for far too long, sir. Don't talk to me. Love you. Uh, well, we'll just get the general details of... Uh, so, uh, how long ago did you come across this uh, dig you found? He, he thinks. He says, oh... About a month ago. Oh, it was pure chance. Rebecca and I were simply taking a walk along the Miskatonic River, and, well, Rebecca, the poor girl, nearly tripped on something she stumbled upon in the mud. Turned out what I thought was a rock was actually some ancient tablet of some kind, covered in Norse runes, and, well... Uh, that got me excited. Put the fire in me, as they say. I hired some locals, and we began searching the area. And uh, it wasn't long before we unearthed this vault. I'm now in the process of fully excavating. We've even made entry to the vault. We're currently in the process of excavating all of the rooms inside. And uh, let me tell you, I have no doubt that there is some treasure that will make me, uh, us, Rebecca and I, and now you that you're involved, quite famous indeed. Um, do we have to roll to catch that slip up or is no, that no, no, just you we can, heard him? You, can, you heard him say that. Can, oh, good. Can Mara ask, so was it you who found the, um, room, or was it the people that you hired? He says, oh, no, no, I don't do any digging. Uh, the actual vault was uncovered uh, uh, by a uh, local uh, Indian man uh, by the name of uh, Sam Horse Saddle, I believe. Uh, look, the man knows nothing about archaeology, but he's good at digging. He's good muscle. Uh, he technically made the discovery, but of course, no one's going to attribute anything like this to an Indian. No, no, I'm going to take the credit. Well, you're going to share in the credit if you help me uncover the excavation, of course. Can... Uh, what a dick. Can... <clears throat> this is a bit out there, but can I do any sort of check to see if anything that may have possessed him would be smart enough to go publicity would be the best way to get more followers um you can make a either a psychology or an occult check if you're trying to look for signs that signs that he's possessed by something unnatural yeah i might go that I might go occult to see if i can see anything yep uh I'm going to push that, because that was a 93. Oh, mate. <clears throat> uh, and then that was a 4. So that was a stream pass. 
Sean's um, seen in the membrane is this boy. So <laughs> there are no outward signs that he's possessed or under any spell or anything, but it is certainly strange that he just essentially stumbled upon this thing that is now obsessed with uncovering it. Uh... I would like Eustace Earl to make a psychology check, please. That would be M1's character. Also, hello M1. Uh, yeah, hello M1. Hello M1. Uh, don't ask where I've been. <laughs> I usually don't. Alright. Alright, psychology check. I haven't got my shit in front of me. Uh, is that a pass? Uh, what did you roll? Yeah, that's definitely a pass, because your psychology is 75. I um, have psychology. She sure does. You get the impression that this man is essentially a big buffoon who knows very little about what he's actually talking about, but is completely obsessed with finding glory and fortune. He's essentially found something that he sees as his opportunity to strike it big and is grabbing onto it um, with both hands, um, and so do you say to the rest of the group that, uh, Orem seems to have, uh, found an opportunity that he is uh, doggedly, uh, grabbing onto? But do we wait until we get out of the cut when yeah, we're not within the issue yeah, it's probably a good idea to not say it in, in earshot of the guy, but that's simply what you notice about it. Um, <laughs> so, do you have any more questions to ask of Oren? Well, I kind of want to ask about the Indian guy, but I get the insane sense that he's probably just going to wave that off and go, no, no, don't worry <laughs> about that one. You could ask him more if you want. Um, Myra, it do you want to ask... Job. Do you want to ask any questions about what was in Rebecca's letter? Um, I have one more question before I get to that. Yep. Um, so, have you been, since you stumbled across this tablet, have you been talking to anyone who's told you just how valuable this tablet is, or did you come across that discovery yourself? He says, oh, no, no, definitely not. I, I'm not going to uh, risk it being stolen or something, or, or some hotshot coming in and taking credit for it. He shoots a look at Arkansas and says, uh, no offense intended in current company, of course. He says, no, no, I purchased some books on archaeology and did the appraisals all myself. Oh. Okay, well, enough. there'll be others who will judge exactly <laughs> what oh this is. Oh my god. It's just gonna be a straight up fucking ego fest between these two. And exactly how long have you been archaeologying? Archaeology! He <laughs> says. <laughs> he says. Oh. I'm quite skilled in the archaeology. Thank you very much. He says, oh, I Damn never. It, I wish I had that. <laughs> he says, oh, I never studied at college. Uh, Please, uh, no offence, but I always considered archaeology a bit of a soft option. But, you know, if there's money to be made, his eyes sparkle with with obvious thoughts in his head of great riches and fame. Well, being as you have not studied anything, then we know whose name will truly be going up against this finding, won't we? 
someone who is a well-known archaeologist. Oh, God. Okay, so Arkansas is going to get killed by the guy that originally was never going to do anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to drive this man to murder. (laughs) If he starts rattling off precious, my precious, I'm going to kill you all. (laughs) Um, Myra, Uh, just to ask anything about the content of Rebecca's letter, uh, such as... Yes, now I would like to, but uh, can I get a brief... Um, Reminder of what was not because it wasn't a handout. Well, yeah. So she essentially wrote that, um, told you about the archaeological find that Orem had found, and that someone had been spotted watching their That's home. Right. Yes, and that sort of unnerved her a bit. Okay. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. <clears throat> well. Uh, uh. Oh, what's her name? Sorry. Uh, Rebecca. Uh, In Rebecca's letter, she told me that someone had been, well, for lack of a better term, stalking your house when you went around. Do do you know, has she informed you of that? Do you know anything about that? He looks at you and raises his eyebrow a little bit, and I would like uh, whoever would like to make a psychology check to please make a psychology check. I mean, I've already got a four this session, so I may as well test my luck. Wait. Yep. This so. is so cool to usually. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take that one in ten shirts just for a laugh. No. Nope. Yep. Uh, M1, go <laughs> ahead and I make almost. a psychology check, Mr. Psychologist. Yeah, I'll let the psychologist do the psychology Because you're good at reading people. So, uh... He's muted. Yeah, he's muted. That's alright. Yeah. But it's a pass. That's a pass. Um... So he raises his eyebrows and he stares at you for a second. Then he just smiles, brushes his head in the air and laughs and says, Oh, oh, that that's nothing. Rebecca jumps at shadows and she's fine. You'll get to talk to her soon enough. Anyway, uh, so as I was saying, once we clear all the rooms in this vault, I'm sure there's going to be some treasure that was interred in there with whoever's buried there. I can sell the treasure to a local museum, and you, Mr. Reporter, can take my photo, and I will be known as the man who uncovered the burial vault, and uh, whatever implications it may hold that Vikings were indeed in North America before Columbus. Um, can I do, uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be, but like a history check to see if Myra remembers how much Rebecca and this guy were in love before they got married. Like, um, if, that, like, yeah, that, if he was that a devoted would, husband or it was just that would he just got be, married because he wanted a wife. That would just be an education check. Education, okay. Because that was a very flippant remark yeah, to just someone her off, claiming that your wife is being stalked. Yeah, and plus I'm pretty sure we already did the... Re- like the reports on the Viking find from the first place we went to, yeah. but uh, that's a seventy-seven, so that's a pass. Yeah. Um. So you don't remember Orem as much as you remember Rebecca. Um, yeah. You weren't really friends with him. You do remember that she met him close to the end of your college days together, and you always sort of got the impression that he was just full of himself and didn't really care about other people. He would just constantly talk about himself, not really let others get a word in edgewise. But 
Rebecca did seem to be smitten by him, and you remember a couple of times she did tell you that he was a completely different person when he was alone with her. But essentially but, how he's acting now is how you remember him acting. Okay, well, Mara's then going to sit back with a frown on her face and just be quiet for the rest of the ride. And so, unless something interesting yeah, unless comes something up interesting prompts a question. Comes up. So finally reaching the long-covered bridge over the Miskatonic River, Orem drives uh, the carriage across and into the village of Dunwich on the other side. You pass Osborne's general store, which is housed in an old, broken, steeple congregational church, and the scraggly village common, where... Where, where uh, locals dressed in the drab, uh, almost colourless garments of, uh, fa- of farmers and country bumpkins uh, sit, at, uh, sit at wooden tables in what passes for a tiny park, uh, gossiping with each other and alternatively looking and watching uh, Orem's carriage go by, taking quick glances at you. Turning Mill Road, Orem heads out of the village proper, finally stopping... I'll be right back again, sorry. Yep. Finally stopping the carriage in front of a run-down two-storey house. Yeah, he says, stopping the mule and the pony. He helps unload the bags and then climbs... He helps unload all your bags and stuff and then climbs back up on the wagon, saying... Oh, well, I need to return the carriage to the owner. Uh, Head into the house. Rebecca will be waiting for you. Uh, I'll uh, be back before dinner time, and we'll have a lot to talk about. (laughs) He smiles as he pulls the reins of the uh, mule and the pony, turning the carriage around and negotiating it back down uh, the muddy trail towards the village. Meanwhile, on the front porch of the run-down-looking house, you see Rebecca emerge, waving at you, smiling and calling you over. Um, <clears throat> are we still heading up in the coach, or have we stopped? No, no, you've climbed off. Stop you've you've, you've yeah. stopped and gotten out. He's, he's basically um, let you off and then said he's got to go return it to its owner and headed back in the direction of the village. Uh, as Mara's getting off, uh, what was the name of the kid that got possessed here? Uh, it was Elijah. Elijah, and his last name? I have to actually check. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me just check. Uh, Elijah Corey. Corey. Okay, um, as I'm getting out of the coach, uh, Mara perks up just a little bit and goes, oh, uh, do you happen to remember an Elijah Corey, or the Corey family that moved out of here about half a year back, a year ago? He raises his eyebrows as he hands you the last of your bags, and he just says, uh, "No, I don't associate much with uh, you know the less educated people." Uh, in wow. fact, truth be told, I'm only here uh, because of, you know, the rumours of things waiting to be found. I did read about the poor boy in the paper not long ago, however. A tragedy, tragedy. 
Okay. Well, good. Uh, you'll be safe returning this car. He nods. He says, oh, yeah, of course, of course. And then he begins to... And then the cart continues, slowly making its way down the trail back towards the village. You approach the... You approach the house. Um, and Rebecca steps off the front porch, begins walking down the dirt trail to meet you, waving and smiling warmly. A tall, attractive woman in her late twenties. Her yellow pencil is tucked behind her right ear, partially covered by a few stray locks of her otherwise carefully arranged auburn hair. She looks uh, straight at Myra, and despite clearly noticing some of the scarring on your face, she appears to make no sign, uh, no reaction to it. She doesn't flinch, she just smiles and opens her hands to embrace, opens her arms to embrace you. And she says, Myra, Myra, oh, it's been such a long time. Thank you for coming. Uh, Myra will embrace her and loud and in a normal voice go, well, of course, you asked for help. We came and helped always. And then in a whisper, I will say, when was the last time you saw the person watching you? She frowns and she says, please, we'll, we'll talk about it inside as she looks from left to right. She then turns to the rest of the group and she says, and you must be Myra's friends. I wasn't aware that Myra was going to bring such a large group of people, but please, any friend of Myra's is a friend of mine. Well... Yeah, nice to meet your acquaintance there. Uh, as we're, like, gathering up stuff, because obviously we know the scope of the situation, can I do, like, a spot hidden check just to just subtly keep an eye around the surroundings of the area? Yes, please make a spot hidden check. Actually, can I as well? Because as soon as she would have said, talk inside and looked around, I might have got suspicious as well. Yes, you can, yes. Yep. Alright, that is a hard pass for me. So I'm gonna push that though push because yeah, I had to yep. push mine despite the fact that I have a you know three out of four chance of getting it right. That's fair enough. So as... I just got a pass as well. Yep. So as you gather up your bags and Rebecca uh, helps you, she takes a couple of them, hoists hoists a bag over her shoulder and begins to lead you up to the house. You look around the rather unkempt. Uh, unkempt uh, yard that this old farmhouse has. It's primarily just a dirt trail that leads from the front porch of the house uh, down through approximately half an acre of overgrown grass and bushes. What was once uh, grazing land to the main dirt road that leads back into town. And you notice... Uh, Nearby the house, a bit uh, to the right of the house, about maybe 10 or 20 feet away, you see uh, a wood, old wooden fence that must have at one point been the uh, boundary fence of a grazing field. Um, you notice that one of the fence posts uh, looks like it has been forcibly pulled out of the ground and pulled over, and you notice around it are uh, patches of grass that have been 
flattened, almost as if uh, somebody had been standing there quite recently. Recently? Like within the last day or so. Uh. Oh, no, you're not the survival dude. Fuck. Yeah, no, no. Harrisburg uh. <laughs> is not yeah, here, but... That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'll be right back. Basically, yeah, Mike's going to be looking around while just making a big show of just like ship doing stuff with his camera, maybe like trying to take a picture of the uh, surrounding area. Sure, or yes, just you having can. Having a nice around. Yep. I forgot that uh, Mara actually has survival. Can I do a survival check to see how long ago someone was standing here? Such yeah, as go. like, is the grass still perfectly flat? Has it started to spring back up? Are there spider webs? Uh, go ahead, make a survival check. I really need to make a character based on me one day. <laughs> you really are. Uh, that's a seven. Oh. <laughs> so, so critical for me. <laughs> as everyone else carries uh, the bags up onto the front porch, um, Mike gets his camera out. He starts to just snap some pictures of the farmhouse of the surrounding area. You move over to uh, the broken fence post and examine the patch of grass and it's not entirely flat it is starting to spring back up but you get the impression that uh, someone was here maybe uh, 24 hours ago maybe slightly more or slightly less based on the grass being flattened and how big the patch is you get the impression uh, that someone was actually kneeling down here uh, for quite some time, that they were sitting here for at least a few hours, uh, almost as if they were watching the farmhouse. The fence post has been pulled ajar and is leaning over, almost as if uh, it was pulled uh, in such a direction that anyone leaning in this spot would be able to essentially essentially use the fence post as cover uh, to prevent someone seeing them if they were to look out from the farmhouse in this direction. But she has said that she's seen someone watching. Yes, she has, but that ah. probably doesn't mean she's seen them every time they've been here. Nah, that's, or, that's true. Or perhaps and this this might make you feel a little bit less comfortable. Perhaps whoever's watching the house noticed that Rebecca is aware of them and has started to make an effort to be a bit more stealthy about it. Okay. Um, would I know if it's rained around here recently? Um, you can make an intelligent... You can make a luck check, actually. Oh, damn it! <laughs> you just halved my chances. <laughs> uh, that's okay though, because I still passed by three. Um, so it's the start of spring. There hasn't been a lot of rain. There's been a couple of light showers, and the last one was within the last week. But there hasn't been any heavy rain. Okay, well now that I've noticed this patch of grass, can I do another spot hidden to see if there's any footprints around, because the rain wouldn't have washed them away? Um, yes you can. And that's a 13, which makes that a hard pass. You don't notice any footprints from your cursory check. However, you do notice other smaller patches where the grass 
has been bent or flattened, that is clear evidence that somebody has walked that way. And the trail, at least what you can see of it, doesn't appear to lead back towards the village, but rather further past the farmland and towards the uh, woods and hills that you can see off on the horizon. Okay, I will store all that knowledge and I guess we can head back before we worry my friend too much. Yes, you join the others back at the front porch and Rebecca opens the wooden the wooden door and as she opens it it shudders and almost becomes detached from its hinges it's so old and then she gestures for you to enter the house the inside of the house is in terrible condition looks like it hasn't been occupied for at least a few years before rebecca and her husband moves in and it's only been minimally maintained. It's in need of some caulking around the doors and the windows. And as she leads you through the tiny entrance hall into the dining room, and into the dining room, one wall of which is taken up by a very minimal kitchen that essentially just consists of a wooden counter and an older stone oven. Drafts of wind constantly blow through the window panes and through cracks in the walls. You look around, you see no modern amenities. It doesn't look like there's a telephone or electricity or even plumbing for that matter as you notice that there is a small stone well uh, just outside the kitchen window. Is this typical of Dunwich houses, um, or...? So you know that Dunwich is, well, it's got a reputation for being quite backwards, but at the very least, most Dunwich residences would at least have plumbing, if not electricity. Okay. Okay, well, I'll keep following. Rebecca leads you into the dining room. She gestures towards a um, threadbare wooden table that has four chairs around it. Uh, the edges of the chairs and table pockmarked with scratches and chips. She says, please uh, take a seat. I'll get some tea on the boil if you would like some. Uh, well, sure. Would you like any help? Oh, no, no, I'm... I'm the host and you're the guest, uh, guests after all. You take your seats around the table and she busies herself at the wood-fired stone oven, uh, setting a kettle to boil over the next five minutes and then pouring some tea into chipped uh, ceramic cups, handing them out for each of you. She exits the room into what you assume is an adjoining den or living room and drags another wooden chair out with her, positioning it next to the next to the wooden table so that she can sit with you. Then as she takes a sip from her tea, she looks out of the kitchen window as if checking that the coast is clear. She leans in and she says, Okay, now, uh, to the letter. She says, Myra, first... Is there anything you wish to know? 
Well, first off, when was the last time you saw the man that's been watching you? She looks out the window. She looks behind her shoulder again, out the window, and she says, hmm, I've not, I must admit I've not seen him in the last week, although for some reason I'm sure he hasn't left the area. Look, I can't offer any explanation for why it unsettles me. Orem insists it's an irrational fear, but, well, I'm not sure why anyone would be watching the home. As you can see, we don't have much of value. Orem doesn't associate with the locals, and all this coincided with him finding that place that he's digging up. So, the person watching you has only started appearing since... Now, has he started appearing since you tripped over the tablet, or since they uncovered the vault? Because as I believe it, there was a period of time in between the two. She makes... She, she's silent for a moment. Um, she takes another sip of her tea, once again looks over her shoulder, uh, looking through the kitchen window, and says, Um... Well, if I had to, I'm not entirely sure, but if I had to make a guess, I would say it was just about when Orem started to go public, when he headed into town to try to hire help to excavate what he'd found. Hmm. She says, Dunwich is a very small town, you know, news travels fast, and the the locals all know each other. All it would have taken is for Orem to have told, say, the postmaster or someone in the general store, and within a day everyone in town would have known. Okay, let's... Um... Have you yourself been out to this vault? She says, no, Aram doesn't want to take me, and besides, I've actually been quite busy myself. She says, I've been, uh, I've been cataloging some old papers for one of the families here in Dunwich. They're paying me a dollar a day to get it done, and so I've spent most of my time in my study upstairs uh, going through these documents. What, what is the documents about? She says, well, they're, uh, you know, old records from the McCutcheon family. The McCutcheon family is quite old of, uh, it is quite old here in Dunwich. In fact, the documents I've been asked to look through, uh, the residue of, uh, Enos McCutcheon. Uh, she passed away a few years ago, and... Her cousin, Jubal, approached me uh, with the intention of cataloging all of these documents, you know, finding where they're from, what, uh, you know, old family diaries, what uh, finances, and other things that he can actually make sense of uh, the family's affairs. She says, I wouldn't think it has anything to do with what Oram is dealing with, but if you would like to take a look, if you think it's got something to do with it, I suppose I can let you look at uh, what I've catalogued so far. 
Does Wait, this? Is it, I was gonna say, does the name McCutcheon ring a bell? Because it, it sounds does. really familiar. Oh. Um, it. As far as you know, it doesn't. No. But um. It, it doesn't, as far as you know. But it's possible you may have heard it at some point. But it would be a very scant reference, like something you wouldn't take a notice of. Uh, okay, it's just like I swore I'd heard the name at some point, but uh, no, carry on. Uh, does this family happen to have a history of red hair? The McCutcheons, she says. Yes. She says, well, Jubal doesn't have red hair, but Enos, at least according to the old portraits, did. Uh, it's not common, but, uh, well... The point of me going through these documents is Jubel is trying to make sense of the genealogy of his family. So it's entirely possible that some of the documents might, uh, you know, provide answers as to common physical features that have been known in the family. The family were meticulous at record keeping, but not at organization, hence why I've been, why I'm earning a dollar a day to go through the stuff. Do, do you happen to have some of the portraits of this uh, person? She says, no, no, they're, uh, they're in Jubal's possession, but I have pretty much all of the, uh, all of the written documents that belong to the family. <laughs> Would you believe they found their way to the schoolhouse uh, where Marie Bishop was going to take a custodianship of them, and it's from through her actually uh, that uh, I my name was brought up, and eventually Jubal agreed to let me take a look at them. Hmm. I would very much like to see these documents at some point. She says. Well, uh, if you'd like, I can go and get them. Uh, they're just upstairs. That would be fantastic. She nods and she says, Just, uh, have yourself another tea. I'll be back in a moment. As she gets up, as she passes the kitchen window, once again she looks out at her gaze, lingering for just a moment. And then she shrugs, brushes her hands in the air, and leaves the kitchen, heading up the staircase in the hallway just outside and you hear her footsteps uh, echo uh, down the down the staircase that trembles and groans as each step she takes uh, I would like a Eustace Earl to please make a psychology check that would be M1 but he's oh there he goes doing his check that's a pass Pass. Eustace, oh, watch her leave, and you get the impression that she is being simultaneously secretive, but also acting as if something has her incredibly scared. Furthermore, she's acting almost as if she doesn't know what has her scared, just that she seems to have been taken over by a general sense of foreboding and terror. You tell the rest of the party, and you, as you finish draining your tea, you say, And that Orem man, if I say so myself, he's quite 
full of it, it seems to think what he's found is nothing more than a ticket to riches and fame. To be fair, seeing how they're living, I don't really blame him for that. <laughs> she, yeah, but... she contacted me at any point and told me the living conditions, I would have sent her money. <laughs> um... Yep. Is it possible to use, like, empathy to try and get a little bit more information more to do with the foreboding itself? Yes! What is this presence that she's learning to? Indeed, a few minutes later, Rebecca returns to the kitchen, her arms laden with a stack of papers that uh, almost obscures her face as it towers over her. She walks over and carefully places the papers on the table and then takes her seat next to them. She removes the top half of the pile and starts separating all of the papers into different piles, uh, cataloging them for you to make them easier for you to read. <coughs> and as she does so, um, I would like you, Eustace Earl, if you'd like to try it's Mr. Eugene Earl, not Eustace Earl, if you'd like to try and get some, see if you can impress, you know, I'd like you to make a charm check, please. Or, or, or psych, either that, up. either that, or psychoanalysis. Oh, uh, what's better? Um, so your psychoanalysis is fifty-five, and your charm is forty. All right, I'm gonna do my best Freudian slip. Like, <laughs> fucking tell me. <laughs> yes, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Adjust Actually, glasses. Maybe maybe don't what go with the Freudian is... slip because almost nine times out. Of... <laughs> yeah. Don't go with the Freudian. That is an extreme oh. pass. Oh sweet Jesus, you have a whole life story. <laughs> so as she as she organizes the papers, you lean over and you say. I'm sorry to bring this up, but I couldn't help but notice you keep looking out the window. The way you're moving looks as if you're scared of something. Please, we're here with Myra to help. If there is something you're scared of, you need to tell us so that we can help you and we can help put your mind to ease. And she looks at you and... She's silent for a moment, just rifling through the papers, and then she says, Well, there's the man watching the house, of course, but also the McCutcheons are, well, like some of the older families here in Dunwich, they're quite secretive. In fact, these papers I have in my possession here, for the last century at least, were not seen by eyes outside of the McCutcheon family. When Marie at the schoolhouse passed them on to me, she impressed upon me that I must not show them to anybody or speak about their contents, that my task would be strictly between myself, her, and the McCutcheon family, and that when my cataloging was done, I would simply pass them along and never mention them again. It doesn't strike people as something odd. Mm -hmm. She says, please, you, you must understand the type of town that Dunwich is. It's very small and insular and old families like this. Well, 
we're looking at papers that date back generations. There could be all sorts of family secrets and old shames in here. Uh, things that someone influential like the McCutcheons wouldn't want getting out in a small town like this. Um, while they're talking, I will be going through the papers. Yep. Um, so as I'm you're... specifically searching for references to them being Hyperboreans. Yep. So if you would like to go through the papers, please make a library use check. Library use... Oh, I should have put points in this. It happens. Uh, oh, that's 41. Do I want to spend six luck? Um... Fuck it, I'm spending six luck to make that a normal pass. So Rebecca has already made some decent progress in cataloging them, um, so it's quite easy to find uh, documents that are of note to you, but it still takes about half an hour to sort through what she provides you. Uh, the papers cover a 35-year period, beginning around 1890. And they tell the story of a certain branch of the McCutcheon family, their early years in Dunwich, and their later move to Connecticut. According to the papers, before arriving in Dunwich, they moved from somewhere further north. The exact location not provided within the papers, but stated to be somewhere on the Canadian border, or perhaps within Canada itself. Hmm. There are several references to the family having red hair, and furthermore, several references to a couple members of the family gaining either infamy or notoriety due to some rather strange facial features, primarily uh, slightly pointed ears and chins. However, these occur most Ooh. prominently in the early McCutcheons and appear to have been bred out uh, by the time of Enos and Jubal McCutcheon. The odd question, the yep. Canadian guy we had with us on the previous adventure, what was his name? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that would be uh, Terence Buell, the linguist ah. anthropologist. Sorry, I just I keep thinking that McCutcheon rings a bell. It's going to annoy me but now. So I'm just trying to go through <laughs> the top of my head. You do recognize the reference to Canada, and your mind does flick back to Terence Buell, particularly his bright orange hair and the thin orange fuzz that covered his hands and arms. Perhaps the most notable thing amongst the papers is a small diary once belonging to Enos's daughter, Charlene. You flick through the diary, and I would like Myra, or anyone else who's reading the diary, to please make uh, an English language check. Uh, I'm asking questions, so I guess I'm helping. Yep, so you can go ahead and make one. 59 is a normal pass to me. I'm pushing mine because, for God's sake, really. And I will be right back. Uh, I think Missy back in. Yep. 41, that's a pass for me. 41. So, 
you flip through the diary and most of it just chronicles the day to, the ordinary day-to-day life of a Dunwich schoolgirl until one of the very last entries which reads as such here it is in Owlbear and uh, would someone like to read it please well, I mean, I've got my glasses on, if it's playing with bloody old bit. Yep. Here we go. Alright, dear diary, today I went into the woods around Bishop Mountain with Billy. He said he wanted to show me something about Johnny Courage because I always tell him Johnny's not a bad person, despite what the other boys say about him. Billy took me along the trail until we could see a small shack leaning against a hill. Johnny was there, lying on the ground, wearing nothing but scraps of animal hides. There was an old Indian standing by, walking around Johnny and singing some sort of song I couldn't hear very good. One time Johnny opened his eyes and moved his head to look up, the old man hit him with a willow branch and Johnny looked away and closed his eyes again. Billy and I got scared then and ran away back through the trees. Huh. You're not that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. It seems- Do you know there's an in- It stands out simply because it's the only entry in the diary that doesn't concern the day-to-day goings-on of an Arkham, of a Dunwich schoolgirl, which is what makes it stand out. Mm-hmm. You don't have any more... You don't have... Before you have a chance to discuss anything found in the diary or the papers, the, you hear the sound of the front door uh, being pushed violently open and then slammed as Orem Hillbridge makes his way into the kitchen, walking with a very uh, frustrated gait, moving his way to the... moving his way over to the kitchen table, gesturing towards the stone and saying, Tea, if you please, Rebecca. She gets up out of her seat, moves back over to the stove, and he takes the seat next to her. He slams his hand down on the table, and he says, Damn that Indian! I Interesting. Always laying about, never doing what he's told. I don't know why I keep him on. Rebecca looks over her shoulder at him, but makes no comment as she busies herself pouring him a mug of tea. Mm. Orem sighs and looks around at each of you, and then he notices the pile of papers, and he says, For God's sake, woman, why are you wasting their time with these accursed papers? They didn't come here for that. That has nothing to do with the dig. Actually... I asked this woman to read these papers. I think they do have something to do with the dig. Now, do you want us to help you or not? He says, he looks over and he says, to do with the dig or to do with the man who Rebecca has, is convinced herself is watching our home. And I'm convinced he is watching your home, because if you go out there to that damn post out there, you'll find that the grass has been flattened with clear evidence that someone has been watching this house for periods of time. He raises an eyebrow. Now you watch your tone. He raises an eyebrow and he says, I'm sure it's just somebody trying to find out what I... 
what's going on with the dig. Perhaps trying to weasel their way in and steal some of my research papers. He says, other than oh, that, I'm sure that... research papers would they be? I would be very much interested in seeing those, too. If he's, they had been mentioned at all. He stands up and he says, Fine! I'll show you if you like. I'm sure aside from that, there's really nothing to it. He says, tell you what, I'll show you what I've found so far, and tomorrow, first thing in the morning, you can accompany me down to the dick site and see what you make of it. Speaking of this dig, I do need to send my apologies. I believe you may have gotten off on the wrong foot. <laughs> and there's... <laughs> there's the what, I was trying, what I was trying to say was... That because you haven't been accredited as an archaeologist, do you know what would happen to your findings were they to get out that someone who hasn't been qualified found them? He says... He looks at you and he says... Ah, please, you're not trying to convince me there's some sort of license for being an archaeologist or something. Well, not, so much, not so much a license, but if you're not accredited, then the findings go... Well, let's just say, by the wayside, do you ever recall hearing about the ancient uh, warriors of Europe? He says, well, no, I don't know a lot about the Vikings, but uh, that doesn't matter. All that matters is I dig these things up and I've determined they clearly don't, uh, clearly don't have anything to do with the Indians in this area. He says... In fact, well, now that I have you here, I'll be able to get to the bottom of it. Well, so that long is true, as... but as a, to get to my point, the ancient warriors of Europe were discovered, oh, say about seven years ago, I believe. But the thing is, no one knows about them because the person that found them was not accredited. He frowns and he says, fine, fine. You're the resident archaeologist. I would be honoured to have Arkansas Smith take possession of this dig. So long as my name is mentioned when oh, you... Definitely, there'll be definitely lots of mentions of your name, won't there, Mike? <laughs> oh, that... Of course. It goes without saying. <laughs> Oh, like, I'm sorry, but the whole time you're talking to this guy, I'm just getting my head, this motherfucker is going to kill you in your sleep. <laughs> he Since looks... the second you've walked in here, you have just fucking slanted him left, right, and center. He looks <laughs> over at Mike Moxley and he says, Well, so long as my name gets out there, and I have some of the proceeds that may come from this discovery coming to me then I suppose I don't mind who helps me out and what their qualifications are. He stands up and he says, Please, come, I'll show you what I've found so far. He gestures towards the kitchen window where the sky outside has started to grow dark red as the sun sets. He says, before Rebecca sets you up for the night, I'll show you what I've done so far. Perhaps you'll find something I haven't. First thing tomorrow, we'll head out to the 
excavation site. I must say, I will appreciate having some able hands, unlike that damned Indian. He still hasn't returned the work mule I borrowed from McAllister's farm. He was meant to be there after I left to pick you all up, and yet hasn't returned. Lazy good-for-nothing. Let's get a looking, and uh, Mike, make sure you've got your camera ready. <laughs> of course, of course. Hellbridge gestures for you to follow as Rebecca starts to stack up the papers and carry them back upstairs. He leads you out of the kitchen into a drafty living room where a dozen or so large stones are piled in a corner of the room, their surfaces carved with badly worn glyphs. You see, Oram says, pointing to them proudly, Viking runes! The Norse were here before anyone else from Europe. <laughs> I'm just going you know, yeah, to look straight at Mira, wait for her to get an assessment on it first. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, can I have a look at the yeah. runes? The yeah, room... I can do looking as well. The room also contains Orem's makeshift study, a desk piled with papers and books, supposedly his research materials, and a small book and a small bookcase mm. beside it, which, from a cursory glance, appears to hold a selection of popular novels and <laughs> a very few books on archaeology, which Arkansas. Oh, which Arkansas you quickly determine are mainly textbooks written for first-year university students. Oh my god. Oh, wow. This is man's a noob! <laughs> Arkansas just starts looking at the runes and uh, gestures to Mike to uh, take a photo of myself with this uh, wannabe, uh, wannabe archaeologist <laughs> to come and uh, get in the photo. Oh dear lord. So I would uh, like. That's what I'm getting paid for here. I would like first of all Myra to do a Norse check. A thirteen, which for me, oh, is one, is a hard pass. It's one off from a critical. Go ahead. It's a, so you look at these runes and they are so worn that you can barely read them, though you can see them enough and make out enough of them to determine that they are in fact not Norse runes at all. They are, as you perhaps expected, Hyperborean yeah. runes identical yeah. to those in Greenland. You can make out exactly one word, which reads Dust Machine. Dust Machine? Yes. Um, Mean. So, who wants to tell him? <laughs> Meanwhile, Arkansas, please make please make an archaeology check. <laughs> oh, this poor bastard's thinking, yes, I've done it, this is great, just arm, buddy. Is oh. a normal pass. So as you look over the runes, Arkansas, you can't help but notice that whatever process was used to excavate them, was extremely destructive and unprofessional and that the reason the runes are not readable is not because of age and wear and tear but oh. rather because uh, somebody has used um, implements to essentially strike the runes off 
the tablets, rendering them unreadable in the process of digging them up. So I see you've got oh. some amazing things here. How did you uh, happen to collect these uh, wonderful specimens? He says, well, I tell, those, I tell that damned Indian Sam to dig them up. I purchased some, uh, well, what you, I purchased the necessary instruments from the general store in town, and, well, what else is there to do? You dig them out of the ground, my man. And, uh, did you read anything in, on how to extract, or did you just say, go and dig over there? He says, well, uh, no, if there's a specific process, I'm well, forgive me if I'm wrong, but telling him to dig, and then him digging, that's essentially all there is to it, isn't there? Oh dear lord. The, uh... Metagaming, I'm gonna slap this guy. You guys are gonna beat him up, and I'm gonna take his goddamn picture. <laughs> I don't know shit about archaeology, and even I'm listed this guy on that. Like, no shit, even I'm listening to this guy, that doesn't sound right, man. He says... I may just be just a regular old photographer, but that don't sound right. He he says... He says, well, either way, that's what I've found so far. As you can see, they're clearly Norse, not Indian. He gestures towards the desk. And there you will find my research papers. Feel free to look through them, but I will be watching you like a hawk don't even think of copying any of those materials or stealing them. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Phil's gonna oh, reluctantly no. go over and just see exactly what he's dealing <laughs> with. I want, to, I, want to, I want to look at them, but instead of looking to see if there's any information, I want to look at them to see just how stupid the notes are. Yep. Yeah, I, oh, dear lord. <laughs> Uh, can I do a photography check while all this is going on? Yeah, so you do a photography that's... check to take photos <laughs> I'm of just going to take a picture while they look really professional. Holy shit, that's a three. Clearly I've had enough time while this idiot's been blustering to get, like, the perfect yeah. lighting for this shot. So you get the perfect lighting, which is a hard task in this very run-down farmhouse. And as you take a photo, um, Orem insists on being front and centre next to the runes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. this actually distracts him enough that the others are able to have quite... basically go through his papers at their leisure without him watching. So, uh, Arkansas and... Yep, yes, Arkansas. You also notice that uh, in the photo, Arkansas's got his most frustrated smile on. <laughs> Just yeah. the... I'm so not Arkansas, mad, I'm just incredibly disappointed. So Arkansas <laughs> poses in the photo next to Orem, and while Mike Moxley is setting it up, Myra and Dr. Earl are able to actually spend quite some time looking through the papers on the desk. So I would like both of you to please make spot hidden checks. Uh, oh my god, this is, uh, this is 26, so that's a normal pass. That's two away from a half. Yeah, damn it. I was going to make you do it with disadvantage with him watching, but Mike Moxley is sufficiently distracted in by taking <laughs> a photo. Fair enough. Yep. You're welcome, I'm so, helping. M1, go ahead and make a spot hidden check, please. Oh, I should do it. So I didn't check uh, uh, the problem is, you've made this character so bumblingly stupid. Yeah, that's the point. It's going to get us killed later because we're going to be too 
busy laughing at him. <laughs> That's that was the idea. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! He admits it. <laughs> would you like to push um, that M1? I would like to push that actually. Yes, please go ahead and push that. Oh, you just, I just your hidden is fifty, so you only need. Oh a man, that sucks. <laughs> oh, that's annoying. I just realised I need to get rid of the shotgun in my character sheet because I don't have that anymore. <laughs> you well, you go go ahead and roll again, please, M1. Oh, mm. you got seventy-five both times, right? Yeah. yeah. Yikes. Well, yeah. Okay. So, would you like to spend twenty-five points of luck? <laughs> Do you want me to do a hidden spot hidden check? Well, you're taking well, you're a photo. That's right, I'm taking an awesome photo. So you'll go <laughs> down to 40 luck if you spend uh, 25 luck, which is still a fair bit of luck. It's probably it's more than what most of us have. It's Where more than luck. currently? Because I've just had to disappear for a second. Where are yep. we currently? So you're, at, uh, so you're in Orem's farmhouse searching through his research papers to see if there is if he has anything actually written down about this archaeology site, which so far he's completely bungled. That, and M2 has him distracted by taking a photo of him, so this is really your only chance to look through the papers at your letter. Alright, I'll, I'll spend the luck. Yep, so your luck goes down to 40. Alright, so, you, yeah, the fact that you'll spot hit it's 50. You um, find a torch. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So... Orem's desk is cluttered with some pages of typed manuscript, which, at first glance, just looking through them, appear to basically be treatises on how he's made the finding of the 20th century and how he's going to be rich and famous. Sketches of the dig, which, Myra, you notice, are, even without having been to the dig, are quite inaccurate, probably drawn by Orem himself, and the scale is completely off, and perhaps most notable of all, underneath all of his so-called research papers and sketches, half hidden under all the materials, a crudely lettered note, half concealed by manuscripts. It is written in pencil on lined paper, apparently torn from a notebook, and it reads bring it up in Albert for you. Okay. Um, wait. Oh boy, what's that? Do not... Oh! oh. If you well, do not how we tie this together. Somehow <laughs> <laughs> this guy is still smarter than this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and read it. <laughs> so the do not disturb the... Oh, do not disturb the resting place of my ancestors. If you do not leaf, you will die. With the initials JC. What was the name of the kid from before? That was a Johnny, wasn't there? Johnny Courage. And there we go. Wait, where did Johnny Courage come from? Sorry? From the diary. It was the kid from the diary page that was found with the Indian person. Wait, how old was the diary? Um, I'll just switch maps to it in our bear so you can have it up to see it. Um, No, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember the diary entry. I was yeah, just um, there you go. How See, old was the diary again? Sorry. So the diary was about the diary entry was about maybe twenty years old at most. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I must have missed yeah. when you said how old it was. Oh, that was when I was letting you see it. That's right. Um, yeah. Okay. There was an old. I called back just casually. Um. 
How old did you say that Indian was? He looks over, he says... Sam Horse Saddle? Yeah. Late 30s, early 40s? Why? Oh, just, you know, sometimes you might want to hire someone younger to help you with a dig, that's all. Mike pulls the... Mike pulls the cord on the camera and you hear it whir and then Orem steps out of frame man. he comes over to you at the desk and he says, See? My research papers. I hope they've been enlightening and I'll be checking them later to ensure none are missing. Very, very enlightening. You have no idea how enlightening they have been. Arkansas wants to have a read through them and just see like how off he is archaeology <laughs> you can make uh, an archaeology please I love that Arkansas for all his ego he just wants to flat out ruin this guy just because it's annoyed him so much <laughs> that is a five. Oh, oh dear yes, this man so, is on a freaking mission <laughs> so as you were flipping through his papers you read them and there's very little in them that has any archaeological merit at all they mainly just consist of Orem talking about what he plans to do when he sells the artifacts to a museum and uh, what um, archaeological journals he plans to contact and uh, even and even what fake stories he's dreaming up to explain how he's suddenly this hotshot archaeologist. <laughs> this man is an asshole. I love him. I know this. <laughs> wow, Myra, are you going to bring this note you found to his attention? Um, no. However, Shit, no, this is so different that he would notice if it disappears. Um, does he have, is there any blank paper and pens around? Yeah, there is, there is. I would like to take a quick, I would like to quickly copy the note and then take the original and leave the fake. Yep. Uh, I would like you to please make an English language check to attempt to mimic the handwriting. Come on, watch me fucking fail. Ah, oh, that's a 57, that's a normal pass. Yay. You quickly copy down an approximation of the note and slide it underneath his papers, pocketing the original. Orem smiles, folds his arms together and says, Well, now that you've seen what I'm working with, you should be even more excited to accompany me to the dig tomorrow. Oh, so excited, so excited. Oh, you have someone, no idea. Somebody has to tell him. No, darling, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that Arkansas and, Arkansas and um, Myra haven't actually said to Mike at Dr. Earl, oh, but yeah. I was, saying, I was saying it out of character. Yeah. It's like, someone's got to fucking tell him, right? <laughs> no, we're just going to leave him with his delusions. I would have been there the moment where his delusion, I don't want him to die without realizing what a freaking asshole he is. Arkansas just looks over at him and goes, So, who are your inspirations? 
He says, what? Inspirations! Uh, uh, what makes you want to get into archaeology? He thinks for a moment. He's on the American dollar bills. He thinks for a moment and then his eyes drift to the bookcase next to the desk and he says, Uh, uh, E. Evans Pritchard. It would be my main one. Arkansas, you recognize the name E. Evans Pritchard as the author of one of the textbooks in the bookcase. Hmm. Oh my god, just keep no, fucking digging, mate. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> just, just keep digging, keep digging, buddy. We'll get you out of that hole eventually. Well, that is, uh, interesting. Thank you. Orem gestures towards the corner of the room where your bags are piled up, and he says, uh, Please, uh, let's have Rebecca set you up. I know it's just shy of 7.30, but... I plan on getting up at the crack of dawn tomorrow, so uh, if we could uh, get you in your bedrooms all settled in and get some rest so we can be up bright and early, uh, I'm sure you'll understand. It soldiers uh, gestures towards the bookshelf and says, uh, do, do you mind? He says, oh, uh, well, uh, personally, I would have thought these are... Uh, Text would be beyond the likes of uh, Arkansas Smith, but please, if you need reading material for the night, go ahead. <laughs> oh, this is nothing is beyond Arkansas Smith. Um, <laughs> while that's happening, I would like to head out of the room and find Rebecca. Was her name? Sorry. Yep. Uh, the well, wife's name. Um, uh, Rebecca Hillbridge, yeah, like him. Yeah. Um, you head back into the kitchen where Rebecca is just silently sitting with a cup of tea. The paper, pile of papers now taken back into her study. As she sees you enter, she rolls her eyes and she says, Yes, you don't need to tell me. I already know my husband's full of it. <laughs> well, wow. um, as, as long as you know, but... Uh... I didn't come down here to tell you that. I actually came down to hear that he's, uh... willingly putting your lives in danger. And I show her the note. Show her the note, her eyes grow wide and her mouth silently drops open. She takes it and reads it. She says, He kept this from me. He didn't show me that he received this note, but... And he says that the person watching us is nothing. She bites the bottom of her lip. Oh boy. And she says, Hmm. I want to confront him about it, but I would presume if you haven't done so already, then you feel it's worth uh, keeping it hidden from him for the time being. No, darling, I think, uh... Telling him would crush him at the moment, and we may actually need him to help us. However, is there anywhere in town that you can go and stay? With friends, a hotel that might be populated all the time? Anywhere that you can go. She says, Yes, I could go stay at the schoolhouse with Marie Bishop who gave me the papers, but I'm afraid, aside from that, I, I don't really have any friends here in Dunwich. 
Would you be welcomed by uh, this lady if you went saying that you're there to get extra work done or something? She says, well, we consider each other friends, so I suppose if I say I need the peace and quiet and wish to sort through the documents there... She bites yeah, her lip uh, again. She says, do you really think this is necessary? Ah. Uh... You haven't got any notes like this saying stop your cataloging of these papers, have you? She says no, uh, nope. but so, she says I will tell you that only Marie and the McCutcheons know that I have these. Okay. Ah, uh, of course everything is up to you. I'm only asking as a friend would like you to go stay at this schoolhouse with this lady and tell your husband that you got a letter saying that they would like this done soon. So you went to get some peace and quiet while we helped your husband. I would like Myra to please make a persuade check. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> the only talking skill that I've put anything into is fast talk. <laughs> I mean, I got persuade, but unfortunately you were uh, going to rip yourself that. into this one. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, I also put intimidate as well, but I'm not going to intimidate my friend. No. Uh, uh, no, that's a 44. No. I failed. She says, hmm, I'll think about it. Let me sleep on it. As she says this, Orem and Orem and the others enter the kitchen, hauling their bags behind them. She says, "Oh, uh, please, uh, I'll show you where you'll be staying while you're here. Follow me." She leads you upstairs to the second floor, up the creaking staircase, and as she leads you through the house, the in the walls and the roof groan around you. It's as if the house is alive and it is protesting your presence. Hey, none of us really want to be here either. Thank you, house. She shows you an upstairs bathroom and points out the master bedroom where her and Orem sleep. And then, two spare bedrooms. She says, please, uh, oh, there are only four beds, but uh, make yourselves a home however you wish and uh well i'll be getting an early night because Orem wakes up at the crack of dawn and expects me to cook his breakfast Orem and rebecca bid you good night as you place your bags down in the spare bedrooms and is there anything you would like to do before you retire for the night well, Arkansas was having a look at the bookshelf to see is there anything like that stands out? Like, is there something that looks like a book that's been used more or read more or so when anything you looked, on this? So when you looked at the bookshelf to select reading material, you noticed that the books that were most ri that were most read were the fiction novels. The archaeology books looked as if they'd barely been touched, except for perhaps a cursory flip. <laughs> so basically oh, this dude has the barest of barest of knowledge 
and yeah. is literally just basing his crap on what he's doing probably off of stories that were probably written about Arkansas. Yeah, most uh, likely. <laughs> so what Arkansas wants to do before selecting here, he wants to sort of quickly flip through a bunch of different ones that look like they might uh, have been used a bit to see if there's anything written in them. Mm, good idea. Um, mm. So you you pick out a couple of the most red-looking books, carry them upstairs to the bedroom with you, and you sit down on the bed uh, opposite Mike Moxley's, and as you sit down, the entire bed rumbles and groans. Uh, it feels as if the wood frame is going to snap under your weight, it's so old. And you begin to flip through the books, you throw a couple over to Mike Moxley and tell him what you're looking for, and I would like the both of you to please make uh, spot hidden checks. Ooh. Let's see. Um, oh, come on. I have a 76 in spot hidden. I should have to keep re-rolling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How fucking annoying is it? It's, it's beyond ridiculous. That is just a pass. Okay, uh, so regular regular pass as well. Yep. So you spend about an hour uh, before you go to sleep, what, uh, flipping through books as outside through the grime-covered, cracked window, the sun finally goes down, and the farmhouse, the surrounding grounds, are cast in grey and purple. And after about an hour, Arkansas. One of the novels that you're flipping through, you notice that a shred of paper has been wedged in it about halfway. You pull it out and it appears to be... It appears to be a... Just like a yellowed uh, poster... Yellowed sticky note. Uh, something that Orem wrote to himself as a reminder but then obviously forgot about at a later date. It simply says, must tell Sam to not let anyone on site, especially John. Point this out to our mic. Looks like Joe, uh, but he definitely has it out for that, that uh, Indian fella. <laughs> he mm. just doesn't like him. It could be he's a massive racist, or he could just be an unlikable person. Look, it's the 1920s. Basically, everyone's a massive yeah. racist. That doesn't count as an answer. And so mm. with that, you follow uh, Rebecca and Oram's advice and get an early night, climb into the beds, and eventually fall asleep as it feels like the entire house rocks groans around you like a great monster yawning as it wakes up preparing to devour its prey just as Oren promised you are awoken at the crack of dawn as you hear the sound of the master bedroom opening and then Oren with heavy footsteps making his way down the hallway and pounding loudly at your bedroom doors clapping his hands and saying get up get up time is money and we have to get to work 
groaning, you pull yourselves out of bed and head downstairs where Rebecca, who has apparently already been up for a while based on the uh, lines of tiredness written on her face, has five plates of bacon and eggs already sitting on the table. Smoke billowing out of them, indicating that they... Indicating that you have arrived just in time for breakfast. You sit down, eat your breakfast, which is surprisingly pleasant and well cooked, and you may each gain one sand point. Yay! I'm now at a quarter of a hundred. (laughs) (laughs) Oren wolfs his breakfast up within within minutes. It takes him less than two or three minutes to finish and the rest of you have just started to dig in by the time he empties his plate, picks his plate up, carries carries it over to the counter where Rebecca just waits a blank expressionless look on her face and he claps his hands together and he says oh, that was good perhaps more salt on the bacon next time please then he oh, looks boy. over at you claps his expressionless face Oh, yeah. she's probably still a little bit uh, unnerved about the last night's revelation you put upon her. And so tired. she's probably not, uh, possibly. Possibly. I mean, you could, unless you. Where's that psychologist at? Um, he's <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll get him to roll in a sec. Orem then claps his hands again. He looks over to the rest of you, and he says, "Well, breakfast time's over. Come on, let us get going. I want to be there before Sam turns up." Who knows what that Indian will wreck when he gets his dirty hands on everything and I'm not there. Wait, hold up a sec. So his note said, make sure Sam doesn't let anyone on the site, especially Johnny? Yes, especially John. Oh, John. Yeah. Okay, so for some weird reason I thought for a minute that he was making notes about... Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll this, leave it for this now. This guy's an idiot. He could have just shortened Johnny to John. Yeah. You... Yeah, I was just doing that whole, is Johnny and Sam not the same person? Because that's where I was aiming for. Maybe not, you don't know. It could be another Johnny. I don't know. You, you shuffle <laughs> no, well, a few more mouths. Johnny... Of... Yep, go ahead. Johnny wasn't the um, Indian. Johnny was the guy that was getting beat by an Indian. Yes. Uh, fair enough. Look, I'm, I, I'm not the one who... Uh, Loses sanity for guessing things wrong, so forgive me if I'm making any assumptions here. Continue! Sorry, Oram impatiently waits as we'll shovel a few more mouthfuls of breakfast down, and then you sigh and stand up. As you do so, you hear Rebecca loudly sigh. She looks over at Myra and rolls her eyes, and I would like... uh, uh, I would like Dr. Earl to please make a psychology check, as the rest of the group suggested. Pass. Pass, yep. So you look at her blank face as you start to file out of the kitchen following Orem, and you realise that she is currently beset by a mixture of tiredness, Frustration and uncertainty. Perhaps Myra's words from yesterday are leaning heavily on her. 
but it looks as if she hasn't yet decided whether she intends to follow Myra's advice or not. Mm. Orem leads you out of the farmhouse and begins to take you out to the site. You follow him on foot into the village proper where he intends to pick up the wagon and mismatched team of pony and mule and carry them out to the dig. At a neighbouring farm, at a neighbouring farm, he leads you up to, uh, up to the front of a barn where an oldish man, about 60, 70, leans up against the wooden wall and waves to Hellbridge as he approaches. Hillbridge turns to you and says, uh, Ed Mayhew, uh, he's the one who owns the carriage. The mules, uh, the mule and pony that draw the carriage are his. The other mule that is our work animal belongs to one of the other farmers. He calls out to Ed, who nods and walks over to the barn door, pulling it open and revealing the carriage on the other side, or where the where the uh, carriage and where the carriage is already set up with the mule and the pony already uh, already rigged up ready to drive it as you all clamber aboard and Orem takes his place at the driver's seat Ed Mayhew shuffles forwards he pulls the brim of his hat over his face and he says uh, you seen Sam by any chance Orem looks over at him, saying nothing, and shrugs. Mayhew says, He never showed up last night. He was supposed to return some equipment. Orem just sighs and says, oh, That blasted Indian. When I meet up with him, I think we'll be having a talk. I might be docking his pay. Don't you worry about him, Ed. I'll make sure he returns whatever he borrowed from you. He's probably holed up somewhere drunk. Look, I'll pay you extra for your worry. Mayhew walks over. He tests the reins of the mule and pony team, ensures that they are hitched to the carriage. And then you all make your, you all clamber aboard, squeezing once again between each other, your shoulders rubbing. As Mayhew looks at you, he tips his hat, and he says, Oh, Aram didn't say he was hiring some more hands on down the dig. Do any of you say anything? No, he didn't hire us. We're just here to help an old friend. Mayhew nods, he tips his hat to you, and he says, Well, uh... Good luck, and don't let him boss you around too much. And look, if you see Sam, just remind him that uh, he still has to return my uh, digging tools. Oh, uh, of course. When we see him, we will definitely inform him of that. But uh, could you just answer one question about Sam for me? Orem sighs. He looks over his shoulder impatiently, ready to start driving the carriage, while Mayhew leans in and says, Oh, yes, uh, go ahead, I'll help if I can. 
Does he have a, a older relatives living in here, or did live here that passed on? Mayhew rubs his wrinkled chin and he says, Well, I don't know about Sam's relatives specifically, but there is Elder Saddlemaker. He lives up uh, in the woods down uh, up near Bishop Mountain. Could you please give me very quick instructions on how to get to his place? Oh, well, sure, says Mayhew, and he gives you... Uh, some instructions on how to get to Elder Saddlemaker's uh, home up in the woods near Bishop Mountain. He describes that you follow the trail through the woods to the north, and eventually, once the trail ends, keep heading through the woods in that direction, and you'll come to Saddlemaker's cabin in the shadow of one of the hills. Thank you ever so much, you kind man. He tips his hat, he says, have a good day down the dig. <laughs> Hopefully you'll bring something, uh, that, hopefully you'll find something that'll put this old town on the map. Here's hoping. I'm sure we will. Yeah, shouts Orem. And he drives the wagon north out of the village of Dunwich, eventually turning onto North Fork Road. Has the carriage? I was, yep. I was just going to ask Oren where Bishop Mountain is, but uh, that worked no, out a lot can. better. Yeah. Um, yeah. You actually got directions. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As the Go carriage, as the carriage makes its way towards the expedition site, you all can't help but notice the oddly domed hills of Dunwich. As you pass them, Oren looks briefly at. Them. He says, uh, yeah, local landmark. That one there'd be Wilson's Mountain, and that there's Wizard's Hill. He points at the odd domes of the hills, which are crowned by rings of standing stone, looking much like pictures you've seen of Stonehenge, but on a smaller scale, looking ominous and out of place here in the countryside of the Miskatonic Valley. Does anyone wish to remark on them as Orem looks away, paying them no no more attention after pointing out their names to you and slowly driving the carriage further down the road? As a archaeologist, you might know, how did they get their names? He looks over his shoulder and he says, What? The, the standard stones? He shrugs. <laughs> he shrugs and he says, oh, "Hell, if I know, uh, if there was any real value to them, someone would have studied them by now. <laughs> I'm more interested in my Viking tomb." Well, he has to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is <laughs> <laughs> this how? I I I'm honestly curious about how long. You plan on just dragging this, this poor bastard out before you just go, yeah, by the way, no. Yeah, um, this guy, it seems, if we tell him he's wrong, he's going to kick us out of there so fast. Oh, no, I'm aware of that. Thankfully, we're all aware of that. That's so... I'm just enjoying the ride as well. As he says this, um, as he says this, um, I would like, uh, Arkansas to make an archaeology check. 
And I would like Myra to do an anthropology check. Okay, what's my anthropology? Uh, that is a hard pass. Oh, I actually put stuff into anthropology. How the hell? Uh, I'm going to push. Yep, go ahead. Uh, that's even worse. No, that's a fail. Yes, that's okay. So, um, Arkansas, you watch as these circles of standing stones pass by slowly on the horizon at the top of the domed hills. And the more you look at them, the more in your mind you compare them to similar sites in Britain and Normandy. Places like Stonehenge that held some cosmic, cosmic significance for the local druids. And while you have heard of standing stones around Dunwich, you do know that there hasn't been a lot of archaeological research done on them so far and there haven't been any serious attempts to try to determine when they're from or who built them or anything like that they're just commonly accepted as one of the weird landmarks of the dunwich area meanwhile Michael makes a note of this and just keeps it in his back pocket for now we, meanwhile myra you look at them and you draw the same conclusion in your mind and while you failed your anthropology check it will allow you to make an occult check at disadvantage done okay i can attempt that occult check at disadvantage first roll was a 53 second roll uh sorry 53 was my occult uh 53 so a normal pass Hey. You do recall that standing stone circles like these, and indeed Stonehenge particularly, are, according to some texts, used as magical circles uh, by the ancient druids who built them. Places where powerful magic is cast and bound. Sometimes places that are used to summon and communicate with entities from beyond the void. Needless to say, despite Orem's insistence that they are not important, as they slowly pass by, looming on the horizon, the almost pitch-black stones pierce the cloudy grey sky like shadowy fingers, and there's something ominous about them, and I would like everyone to make a sand check, please. I'm honestly impressed that we've gone this long without needing one. <laughs> oh, that may be a pass, that may be a pass. What that pass? is a tense, uh, that is a pass. Pass for me? No, that is not a pass, that's a fail. So for a fail, that'll be a sand loss of 1d3, for a pass, a sand loss of 1. Uh, now I need to buy those D3 that we've heard so much about. Ah, that's a <laughs> fail for that's a fail for M1 I see there. So M1, 1 D3, send loss one, please. Woo. Three, okay, so it goes down to 41. Yikes. Okay. Does anyone wish to ask Orem any more questions? As he passes by these uh... ominous structures. I think we've learnt all we can from this one. <laughs> um, After well, about... He pretty much uh, yep. said it all when he said 
There was um, no interest to him. <laughs> no interest to him. And if they were important, someone would have studied them. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure if they were valuable. Oh, that's why yeah, they were valuable. Um, but, yeah, commune with things from the void. Oh my god, I really don't want to commune with another fucking formless horror. <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> and that's why your sanity dropped, because that prospect occurred to you. Yeah. <laughs> After 30 mm. minutes or so, the carriage finally reaches the site of the excavation. On a steep hillside along North Creek, just branching off the Miskatonic River, an opening can be seen about 25 feet above the crack and the narrow road running alongside it. A large pile of refuse, excavated rock and soil, is piled up below the road, partially blocking the natural bed of the creek. With a crude system of ropes and pulleys, Orem uses a rented mule walking along the river to drag sledge loads of rubble from inside the excavation where it's dumped down the hillside and into the creek. However, as the carriage approaches, you see that the mule is absent, the pulley system lies abandoned, and Orem loudly swears and mutters under his breath, oh, For Christ's sake! Sam's let the mule go, hasn't hooked it up, and he's not here. Is he just trying to be an idiot, or does it come naturally to him? Did it not occur to you that if he hasn't turned up without words, something may have happened to him? He just looks at you, but doesn't say anything as he brings the carriage to a stop, and you all climb off. He points towards the opening in the hill, and he says, Well, as you can see, we already gained access to the vault. Maybe Sam's inside. In fact, for his sake, I hope he is, because he, he reaches into his pocket, pulls out a pocket watch, flips it open, and studies the face. He is 20 minutes late, and if he's not down there, boy, I'm going to be angry when we see him. He says, please, uh, feel free to have a look around when you're ready to enter the, when you're ready to enter into the vault, let me know and I will let you inside. Meanwhile, I'm going to, uh, walk up the road a tad, see if I can't spot Sam making his slow-ass way to the site. I hope for his sake he's just a little bit late and, uh, well, that I won't be having to have a stern talk with him about his pay. He gives you all a brief look with obvious frustration on his face, turns around, and despite how excited he's been about showing you the sight, seems to pay no more attention to it as he turns his back to you and starts walking back along the road, uh, eventually, eventually stopping about 30 feet from the site and leaning up against a wooden fence post, scanning the horizon for any sight of his Indian worker. Now, I'm, is anyone keeping an eye on him just to make sure nothing happens to him? If we've got people that are constantly after him? Well, what do you think? Do, do you think uh... you'd like to have someone keep an eye on him? He is within view. But he's... I know, I know, I'm just putting a, a thought in people's heads. 
No, I, I'm. Myra is now more interested in trying to see if there's any glyphs on anything. She wanna around. She wanna just not head into the vault, but just take a look around the outside of the burial vault and just search the yeah. debris and the creek and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm going to take a picture before we go in. Ah, good idea. Oh, so definitely. We shall start with uh, Mike Moxley making a photography check, please. Hands, what I do. Does Ar- uh, before we go, does Arkansas want to be in on this one? Yeah, always. Sure he does. I figured as much, but I always like to check. Alright, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's just a regular pass. Yep. So, you adjust your camera so that the opening of the vault is in plain view. A big gaping wound in the side of the, in the side of the hill above the creek. Like a, like a big black hole sucking in light. And Arkansas stands in front of it and poses. You snap a photo, and then you join the others searching the surrounding area. I would like everyone to please do a spot hidden check for a group roll. Oh boy. I'm going to push that. Yep. Arkansas is too involved with the uh, photo. Yeah, he, he clearly failed his. Uh, 32. I got a normal pass. Yep. Uh, let's see. That's a pass for M1. He got a 38. I do not like that the music just picked up suddenly. Yep. Also, and... M2 just appeared. Yeah, well... Yeah, where did he go? I reckon his computer's crashed. I reckon his computer did crash, but um, that's a group pass anyway, so... Um... So, you all fan out, and you start to look around the surrounding area, stepping through the debris that grows more numerous the closer to the creek bed you get as Orem's crude pulley system has just dumped it here without any concern for any value it might have. There's bits of rock and bits of rock and dirt mixed in with broken pieces of carved tablets and uh, and, and uh, even even what you could see to be uh, the broken broken portions of stone figurines. As you approach the stream bed, you find the missing mule lying below you in the rocky stream bed. The animal's throat has been torn open. Its eyes are wide and staring. Appears to have been killed some time ago, as there is no blood leaking from the wound, which has been cleaned by the running water. Lovely. Um, can I do a survival check to see exactly how long ago minimum that would have been? Yes, you can. Okay, survival check. Uh, fucking hell! I'm gonna push that. I need to stop using my metal dice because they love the higher numbers. Uh, no, that's a fail. I'm not spending nine luck just to figure out how long ago something would have bled out. <laughs> yep. You have a brief check of the dead mule, and based on the how the wound is clean and the, the blood has been washed away by the stream, um, it's been dead for at the very least a day. You 
had to hazard a guess, it probably died sometime yesterday, around the time you met Orem at the, Ar at the Arkham Dunwich intersection. Oh, that's disconcerting. Furthermore, as you check it, you also notice a few odd-looking tracks in the mud leading out of the stream. Slim, long-toed footprints, none of them closer together than 10 or 15 yards. They do not resemble... They do not resemble human footprints, nor do they resemble that of any animal you can readily think of. Whatever made these footprints appears to have three long toes that are almost the length of the foot itself. Okay. Um. Okay, so M T there. Yeah. Hello. Dead mule. Throat ripped out, died when we met Oren the day before, and now massive footprints. Yeah. Long toe. You know what? I think I'm going to go. I shouldn't have come back. <laughs> Discord was telling me to run. <laughs> so, uh, would any of you like to do this? Would you, oh, sorry, would, I, what, would any of you like to do anything <laughs> about this? I didn't say. I was just uh, slightly distracted by. Um, <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting into a very different genre if we're going to do the thing that made these. Yes. Uh, I would like to do a mythos check to see if I might know what this yep. is. Yep, so mm. anyone who'd like to examine these footprints may go ahead and make a mythos check. Uh, oh my god, that's a four. Pushing. <laughs> Holy crap, that's a five! Ooh. <laughs> that's, a no that's a 26, so a normal pass. So I got a critical pass. <laughs> you know, you know exactly how old this So everyone passed except Eugene Earl, who's just obviously confounded and unsettled by these footprints. The rest of you determine that these footprints are almost certainly not from any mundane creature. Not human, not animal, and probably not a Hyperborean uh, not probably not a hyperborean either rather you all simultaneously come to the conclusion that considering the standing stones of dunwich are not far from here and that the hyperboreans have a reputation for being accomplished wizards that you are staring at traces of some sort of extra dimensional servant mm. I would like you. I would like everyone to make sanity checks, please. Yay! Yay! Oh, that's a pass. That's a fail. <laughs> that was an eighty-something, eighty-seven. So that's a fail. So for yeah. a fail, this will be a sand loss of one d three. For a pass, just one. One. Always with the ones. My sanity is down to sixty-nine. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, that is one. Uh, two. Yay. <laughs> so yep, so that is one sun loss for Eugene Earl. He's getting a crash course on <laughs> on the mythos. Um, 
Is there anything else you would like to do in this immediate area? Anything else you'd like to look at? Um, you've noticed the dead mule, but there is a lot of debris just still scattered around outside of the stream and, like, lying essentially strewn along the side of the hill where it's just been dumped by Orem, who thinks it's all worthless. Yeah, so if Orem thinks it's worthless, then Arkansas is definitely going to be looking through it. Yep, so Arkansas, <laughs> please make an archaeology check. I love that's your mindset. Does he think this stuff's crap? Yep, well, I'll be right back. That is a 26, so that is a hard pass. So... Lying in the water directly below the hillside opening, partly covered by the mound of rubble, are several large slabs of carved stone. The carved stone appears to be covered in what look like runes similar to those you've seen many times by now, but whatever method Orem and his workers used to uh, break open this stone tablet combined with the fact that it's been lying in the water with the water slowly eroding away at surface means most of these runes are likely completely unreadable. If you had to hazard a guess, you would say that these are the remains of a huge door, probably one that sealed the crypt. Unfortunately, the method Orem used to remove it has utterly destroyed it. You also conduct a careful examination of the ground and you discover an irregularity in the bank next to the opening. A small depression in the earth marks the location of an ancient wooden post now buried in the mud and debris that once protruded above the surface. You spend a few moments shifting debris and dirt aside and uncover the remains of a carved wooden totem pole surmounted by images of birds of prey. Mm. If you'd like to try to determine what it was, what it is and what it was used for, I would ask someone to make an anthropology check, please. I may as well try. Come on, 44. That's 62. I'll push. Hey, that's a 7. Yay. Which, uh, I just want to make sure that that is, that is just an extreme pass. Yep. So, Myra, Arkansas calls you over, and you kneel over and take a look at this wooden post, and you quickly identify it as a charnel post of Indian manufacture. Probably less than 150 years old, these kinds of posts are used to warn the living away from places thought to be sacred to the dead. Okay. It does not, whoever, it does not appear to be constructed by the same people who built this crypt or site itself. There's no indication that it's Hyperborean. Rather, it appears local Indians ascribed some significance to this area and placed this post here to mark it as a place associated with the dead. Okay. So I'm thinking that 
We don't even need to be here at all. <laughs> if you would like mm. to examine the runes on the broken door, you can make a hard Norse check, please. I'm gonna try. Yeah, yeah well, I'm not liking the fact that all the uh, air. Oh, oh, that's a three. Really... Oh, I was gonna say this is only ever gonna be really good or really terrible with that love. <laughs> that's definitely an extreme pass. As you suspected, the damage from Orem's incompetence and the water erosion have rendered the majority of the runes unreadable. However, you can make out a couple places here and there. You spend a couple of minutes crawling over the top of the door, the water rushing uh, rushing past you, drenching you knee down. And you make out the terms, once again, Dust Machine, Stasis Chamber, and the phrase, Until One Releases Us. Oh no. Shit! Oh <laughs> fucking hell! This idiot has inadvertently released all this shit. This guy's mummied us. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, you would form uh, the others of what you have found, and I assume the others all let out a collective groan of foreboding. A quick glance up the road tells you that Orem is still waiting, leaning against a fence post, waiting for the sand horse saddle, but... Which means that if you would like to enter the vault without his knowledge, you may be able to do so. Otherwise, if you'd like to inform him about what you've found, please feel free. There are many things Arkansas would like to say, mm. but now is not the time. <laughs> mm. Mara is now torn 50-50 between two options. One, going by previous experience, would be going into the vault to try and find any clues as to how to rebind whatever was in here. The other is to go and see Elder Horse Saddle. Mm, yes, that is an option too. What would you guys like to do? Um, I am legit 50-50 between the two. Mm. Mm. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of just taking along with you guys. I'm not. Yeah. I mean. Yep. Okay. So Eugene Earl wants to go into the vault. Should, Fair enough. Should we? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I'm happy to go either way. It's 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 that, or I'm going to run through this guy through with my rapier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you would not have objections from Arkansas on that one. I will take no photos <laughs> for the sake of archaeology in the future. I love that we've all just agreed. Yeah, if I if Mera tries to kill him, we're we're all okay. I with mean, that. we could um, easily just sell for destroying any credibility he has and the eventual divorce that's coming his way. Yep. Um. Okay. Well, if Eugene wants to, uh, is that his name? Yeah, Eugene Earl. Yep, Eugene wants to... Keep in mind, enter. his experience with the mythos is far less than yours, so... 
yeah, you know, he may not know what he's getting into. Yeah, but any time we've been, any time in the past that we've been to a vault of some kind, there's always been clues on the inside on how to uh, not, if not control, um, but at least calm how to, something. Yeah, mm. That is correct. So very well. Yeah. So Mara's been going. Begin to clamber up the deep hill to the opening of the crypt. As you do so, I would like everybody to please make uh, spot hidden checks. I can do that. Oh, pushing. Come on, I get. For the millionth time today, I need to be pushed out. There we bloody well go. I'm not using a look. That is a hard pass. Fail. Fail. Yep. Fail. Uh, you can push it if you like, M1. Go ahead. Oh, cheers. Oh, yep. that was fun. So that is a group fail. As you approach the opening, you notice stamped into the mud uh, two sets of footprints walking into the crypt. One of them slightly newer than the other and then a single set of footprints leading out of the crypt walking away from the opening further up the hill and then disappearing as the mud is replaced with tall grass and and, and dry rocks uh what we could have noticed if we'd actually passed that. Yeah, no. Oh, no. Has you... Would you like to do anything, or would you like to press on? Um, is there any, like, runes or anything on the walls? Um, so the opening itself appears to be unmarked. It looks like it's literally just a circular... Uh, opening carved into the side of the hill too uh, even to be a natural uh, cave mouth it's obviously artificial but any markings it would have had were on the door which Orem has clumsily removed Ooh. would you like to press on? We're following Eugene. We're following Eugene. Eugene, would you like to press on, or um, do you? Would you oh, like? Yeah. Do you yeah, think? Yeah. The, yep. All right. So Eugene just press on. Eugene just looks at the tracks and decides to move on into the opening anyway. And as the darkness of the opening swallows you, as the sunlight from outside abruptly is snuffed out. I would like everyone to make listen checks, please. Okay, okay. Come on, they have good oh. listen. That Come was on, a hard pass. Hard pass for me. I am so movable at this guy that I can't focus on anything else. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Hard pass. I got an eight. Yep, so that is a, a hard pass. pass. As you step into the shadows beyond the threshold of the opening, you think you all hear 
briefly from outside the sound of somebody whispering something undecipherable. You hear it for a scant, maybe less than two seconds before you step inside the crypt and it is blocked out by the rock walls. Wait, so I didn't hear it even with a hard pass or is this no, a good you, I check? No, you, I said, yeah, you think huh. you hear that. Uh, whispering, oh, fuck. Uh, you shouldn't have come in here. You should have come in here. The whispering, yeah, as soon as you step beyond the threshold, the whispering is blocked out by the stone walls of the vault itself. Mm. It takes a few moments for your eyes to adjust to the darkness, but when they do, you find the inside of the vault completely dark, cold, and damp. Deep scuff marks on the stone floor mark the repeated passage of the heavily laden refuge sledge that has dumped Mm. all of the debris outside. Arkansas, with your skill in archaeology, you can't help but make a mental note of how much important evidence may have been destroyed by the method that Orem has used, has chosen to employ in digging up this room and removing things from it. Large pictographs adorn the stone walls of a ten-foot-wide corridor. The passage extends onwards about 60 feet into the hillside before ending at another pitch-black opening. What would you like to do? Um, is there any sort of, any way to sort of inspect these markings on the walls? Or yep, is the pictographs. Too... You yeah. can make an archaeology check. Oh, that's, that, that, that's a three. <laughs> oh, God. And will I presume that you're all making your way down the corridor further into the crypt itself? Sure. That's, yep. Okay. As you slowly make your way along the passage deeper into the hell, deeper into the darkness, Arkansas runs his hand along the stone wall, occasionally stopping and investigating the pictographs. The majority of them have worn away with age, or perhaps been destroyed by Orem's carelessness. But the ones that you can make out appear to depict uh, humanoid figures, extremely tall humanoid figures with narrow faces and long pointy ears. They are depicted doing various things, talking with one another, sitting in communion, and perhaps most disconcertingly, as you get closer and closer to the opening at the end of the passage, the pictographs begin to depict these humanoids interacting with what appear to be cylindrical machines of some type with other humanoids contained within them 
the very last pictograph in the corridor depicts a lone humanoid figure kneeling down on one knee, clasping in his hands what appears to be a human skull. Energy pours from the human skull, coalescing in a cloud above the man, and there in the cloud you can just make out a face smiling, apparently communicating with the man. Mm. It's basically a giant Zordon. Maybe. Would um so Myra and Myra Arkansas and uh, Mike Moxley, you make a reasonable assumption that the figures depicted in these pictographs are Hyperboreans as they appear identical to the pictographs you remember from Greenland. However, mm-hmm. you have no idea what they are depicted doing. Um, would anyone like to would anyone like to attempt any checks you could think of? Would an anthropology check? Um, an anthropology check, an occult check, or a Cthulhu Mythos check. Either of those would suffice, I think. Uh, I will try an occult. That's a seven. Uh, <laughs> that is a three for Cthulhu Mythos. That's an extreme Cthulhu Mythos. I've got extreme on occult. Extreme? <laughs> okay, so I don't need to roll anything then, do I? Yeah, that's, yeah you don't. So, first <laughs> uh, of all, Myra. You recognise that the way that some of the pictographs are where... Primarily the ones where the Hyperboreans are sitting sitting next to each other or appear to be arranged in circles appear to depict them casting some type of magical ritual. The outcome of this magical ri- ritual is not depicted in the pictographs. However, the next set of pictures depicting the Hyperboreans interacting with cylindrical machines, cylindrical structures of some kind, uh, stepping into these structures while other Hyperboreans watch on, uh, give you the impression that perhaps this was a spell designed to trap them in some sort of stasis. Arkansas, from your Cthulhu Mythos role, you come to the same conclusions, however, you are filled with the almost unshakable feeling that whatever was being conducted here, and you have the strong feeling that it is some kind of magical research, went awry, and the pictographs are depicting the downfall of the Hyperboreans who lived here, depicting how those who survived whatever calamity they brought upon themselves placed themselves into stasis to await some time when they could re-emerge. The final pictograph, the one of the Hyperborean holding up a human skull, which releases some sort of cloud inside of which resides an unknowable being, appears to you to depict a Hyperborean interacting with some sort of artifact capable of communicating with perhaps extra-dimensional beings. Whatever it is, it is an artifact of great magical power. 
Okay. The corridor leads to a small stone chamber decorated on one side by three large carved hieroglyphs and equipped with a triangular shelf or bench mounted slightly below waist level on the other. The shelf fits snugly into grooves carved into the chamber walls. The corridor continues beyond this chamber. The surface of the strain, uh, the surface of the shelf, is marked by irregular, discoloured spots and has a strange chemical smell emanating on it. Meanwhile, the hieroglyphics on the opposite wall, which uh, do not appear to be similar to the pictographs of the corridor outside, rather appear to be more like uh, writing or runes are carved into the stone, the grooves filled with a brass-like metal that occasionally glints in the flickering flame lights of your torches. Mm. What would you like to do here? At the f Oh, and also at the far end of the chamber is yet another opening that appears to lead yet further into the hill, into the darkness. Is it uh, possible just to sneak past Arborians? And do we also know if they're friendly? Well, there don't appear to be any living Hyperboreans. Those were just pictures, those were just pictographs oh, carved into the wall. Okay, I suppose we'd sneak so, past pictographs. In this room, the things of note are the shelf with the strange chemical smells, the hieroglyphs that, for some reason, appear to uh, appear to glow in your dim uh, torchlight, and of course the passageway leading beyond into the further into the hill. Could I read the hieroglyphs that are glowing? Very well. You uh, approach them. And as you approach them, you feel almost like a static electricity emanating from them. And hold and uh, in the flickering light of Eugene's torch, you can only barely make them out. But you notice that these hieroglyphs are not painted onto the wall, but rather appear to be embedded in the wall itself almost like somebody has dug grooves into the wall and then filled them with a brass-like metal that allows the hieroglyphics to glow and glint in the candlelight and mm. they are obviously of completely different material than the wall of the crypt itself as you draw nearer the static electricity feeling grows stronger and the hairs on your skin begin to prickle as they rise, drawn to some unseen force. I would like you to make a hard Norse check, please. Okay, that first roll is a 47, so I'm going to push. And that second roll is a 22, which is a hard pass. Due to the flickering torchlight, or due to the flickering 
torchlight and the fact that Eugene is standing a bit away from you, it's hard to make out exactly what they say at first, but a few minutes of careful study reveals it. The hieroglyphics appear to read, Beyond this chamber lies the window and the container. To summon or to dispel. Touch the hieroglyphics and speak the words of opening if you are the ones chosen to inherit. Mm. I relay that to the party. Mm. So I guess that would mean if Someone was related to the Hyperboreans, they can open it, but otherwise, no? Maybe. Can I do an intelligence check to see if I can figure that out? Yeah, you can do an idea check. You said that there was chemicals on a shelf? There, There's stains on a shelf and an odd chemical smell, yes. That's uh, a 51, so it's a pass. 51. Okay, so there are multiple interpretations you could have here. Either it's stating that uh, one who is an inheritor of the Hyperboreans can obtain whatever is concealed beyond these hieroglyphics, or one who proves themselves worthy by speaking, by speaking the words of opening and placing their hands upon the hieroglyphics. I will... I will uh, relay that to the... Uh more adventurous people in the group just to, you know, here's a theory sort of deal so, meanwhile Arkansas heads over to the triangular shelf that's mounted slightly below waist level, jutting out of the wall it doesn't have any legs or supports it appears to be entirely attached to the wall and is made out of a brass-like metal it's covered in a regular discoloured Danes, Arkansas. If you would like to identify these, you may make a uh, chemistry roll or a, a chemistry roll, a natural world check with disadvantage, or a halved idea roll. Uh, or hard idea roll, did you say? Yes. An idea goes off. Uh... Intelligence. So half your intelligence. Alright, well, let's... Um, you're gonna go... The... You're gonna go check it too? Uh, yeah, may as well. Yep. Uh, well, that is a normal pass for Natural World with disadvantage. Oh, okay, so, yeah, Natural World. Um, so, Arkansas, place your thumb on some of the stains, uh, press your hand into them, lift them up to your face and sniff taking in the odd chemical spell, smell, and it is entirely possible that uh, these stains, or at least they resemble to you, acid stains. Um, in fact, if you had to hazard a guess, you would say they are created by traces of an acid impregnated by various heavy metals. Um, a mixture resembling battery acid, if you had to guess. Okay. Mm. You're no chemist, but you've been out in the field 
at various points, uh, and you've had to, you've had to refill batteries and power equipment, and so you definitely recognise the smell of battery acid. So, uh, what would you like to do now? The hieroglyphics obviously have some secret about them. Otherwise, if you're happy with the explanation that the odd chemical smell comes from battery acid, the only other thing to do is to move on to the next corridor, deeper into the hill. I don't know. <laughs> mm. I keep putting out that I really don't like being down here. Yeah, well, <laughs> obviously. Um, well, does anyone... It, you don't know what this word of opening is, but you do know that the Hyperboreans mm. were known to be a race that dabbled quite heavily in magic sorcery. So there is another interpretation that one may simply place their hands on the hieroglyphics and perhaps cast any magic. Hmm. To this, to, what was the wording again, sorry? The wording was, beyond here lies the window and the container, that which summons and dispels. Place your hand upon the wall and speak the word of opening if you wish to inherit. Does it mean this wall? This wall with the hieroglyphics on it, yes. If we wish to inherit. Yes. Keep in mind that the closer you get to the hieroglyphics, the more you could feel some sort of static, static, almost like static electricity emanating from them. And the glyphs are constructed of some type of metal that is clearly a different material than can the I, itself. Can I look around and see if the two sets of footprints are still heading through this room? You may make a hard spot hidden check. Mm. I'm gonna push it. That's a three! You look That's around an and just <laughs> make out on the edges of the periphery of the flickering torchlight muddy footprints moving through uh, the chamber into the corridor beyond, and then one set of footprints coming out slightly newer than the old. Both sets of footprints do not approach the hieroglyphics at all. Mm. I wish to inherit. Uh, Myra will approach the wall and touch the wall. Okay, Myra, as you place your hand upon the wall with the hieroglyphics, there oh, is a- Oh, this is gonna be the power check, isn't it? 
there is a whoosh of air and electricity is expelled from the brass-like metal, flinging you violently across the room. You take six points of damage. That is exactly half my health. As you slam violently into the stone wall opposite the hieroglyphics. Make a con check, please. Hmm. Oh, that's a nine, so that's definitely a pass. That's an extreme pass. Despite hearing a loud crack as at least one of your ribs breaks and your skin tingling from the electric shock you had just delivered, you somehow maintain consciousness as everyone else looks on in shock. You slowly climb to your feet. Inherit my ass. Holy crap. It appears that something else other than simply touching the hieroglyphics is definitely required. Uh, Well, shit. Um, Shit. While while Mara recovers, I will be right back. With that, it looks like the only thing left to do is move into the corridor into further into mm. the vault. And so, as Eugene Earl steps forwards, his boots crushing the gravel underfoot, his footsteps echoing throughout the tiny chamber, you step into the corridor, the flickering torchlight lighting your way. And as you're once again swallowed up by the darkness, as the stone walls coalesce, moving in on you, once again trapping you in in an area only five to ten feet wide, I'd like everyone to make a power check. Hooray! Well, that's a five. Okay, so it's for Earl. That is a fail for Earl. A regular pass. Regular pass. Very well. We shall wait for what Remy does. And the music picks up, obviously, because I intended this to be a very tense section. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> you um, are succeeding, good sir. Yes, I am. Um... So just wait for Remy. Uh, I hope everyone watching is enjoying so far. Um, <laughs> having a quick browse as the having a quick browse of the comments. People do seem to be enjoying this episode. Hooray! <laughs> there is more to come. Watch the rest. I'm sure. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's basically on Remy. If he fails, it'll be a group fail if he passes it'll be a group pass so we're just waiting and see what happens mm. as we move further into the hyperborean crypt mm-hmm. while you're making your way through the corridor like what ha- what is mike doing is he just like fidgeting and... uh he's definitely nervous because you know up until even with all the weird stuff going up until recently haven't really a whole lot of stock in this whole mystical crap that we've been dealing with, but uh, 
Yeah, this place is slightly unnerving. As much as you'd like to take pictures while we're down here, probably not the best of ideas. <laughs> Just well, you do have a flash on your camera, so like you can snap oh. a couple shots of the hieroglyphics and the pictograms if you like. I mean. As long as nothing's going to bloody happen if I do that, I don't know. That's why. Yeah, you don't know is the thing. So, and and what use did they have for battery acid? That is, yeah, that's a whole other question there. Yes. Okay, so um, well, I'll just roll for Rem. I'll just roll for Remy because I do have his sheets. Um, that is a pass. Uh, As you step into the next corridor. All of you are suddenly overcome by this unmistakable feeling that you are being watched. That as you look around, you see nothing in the corridor ahead. And turning around, looking over your shoulder, you see nothing but darkness behind you in the chamber you just left. Seems you are being watched by something unseen. Anything you would like to do? Uh, but did I miss anything important? So we had a group <laughs> power check as we stepped into the corridor, and it passed, and suddenly all of you are overcome by the feeling that you are being watched. But looking ahead, you see nothing in the corridor, and looking behind you, there's nothing, nothing but darkness left in the chamber. Hmm. Um, are there like is there like a lot of shadows that we can't get rid of like yeah it's very dark in here and the only light you've got is Dr. Earl's torch and it's flickering each time it flickers some shadows grow longer some grow shorter Can Myra do a contact formless spawn? If you like. Mm. I don't know if it's going to do anything though. Um, shit. Mm. You don't know if it's going to do anything is the thing. There may or may not be a formless spawn involved in what's going on here. Hmm. However, it could glean some insight if you'd want to try it. Are uh, we all right? Because it takes... How long does it take for me to cast it? Just a minute or so? Yeah, about a minute to five minutes. Okay. Well, there's looking around the room, I'm going to cast it. Um, so what is it is? D3 sand and 3 MP. So I'm down to 8 MP. I'll roll the sand. That's three, because every time I do this fucking spell, it's three! <laughs> Max sand, yeah. You all <laughs> standing in the mouth of the next corridor. You all watch as Myra reaches into her handbag, pulls out the components for her spell, closes her eyes, begins to recite the incantation. You stop and listen for several minutes, and then Myra 
in your mind, you focus, trying to sense the presence of a formless spawn, inviting it to talk with you. And although you fail to contact a formless spawn, you detect something, something unlike anything you've felt before. Something that is most certainly not a formless spawn on the very periphery of your mind, scurrying away, almost trying to flee your gaze. Open your eyes, place your hand to your head, and I would like you to make a power check, please. Oh, dear. Oh, God, here we go. Here we go, boys. Here we go. Come on. That is a fail, baby. Would you like to to push it? (laughs) Pushing it if I fail has a worse outcome, doesn't it? It does. It certainly does. Now, you very, see, if I, swap the, if I swap the dice around, it halves it. Does, can, can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. Um, oh, I pushed it in a critical pass. Uh, it's just me, unfortunately. Yeah, you oh, can't shit. do it for. You can't do it for him. He's casting the spell, so this is all on do Myra. I push it, do I push it? Do I push it? Do I push it? Do I push it? If I fail now. Either I die or I get knocked out. If I fail the push, I'm dead. I can, I can. That's my guess. More than likely. Fuck it, boys. You only live once. Or several times in the case of this game, but your character only gets to live can, once. Can, 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 can I, can I, can I spend luck? You can spend luck. I would like to spend it's two luck, back. please, to parts. Holy yep. shit! <laughs> you feel. You feel something pressing against your mind. You turn your head to follow it, and you detect two presences. One, somewhere outside the crypt. A presence that, much like yours, is probing the void, trying to communicate with something. And then the second presence, the thing unlike you, or a formless spawn that is attempting to scurry away, hide, hide on the fringes of your mind, maybe trying to find a way in. You may make the next power check. You may make the next power check. I describe you with advantage, as you are aware that there is something there in the void. Can mm. uh, this is this this is probably what's going to get me killed if you allow me to attempt it. Can I attempt a Cthulhu Mythos? to alter the spell to focus on that entity. Go ahead. Okay. And where were you before? That did you would have been very nice. Uh, that's an 11, so that's a hard pass. You whisper the incantations again. Close your eyes and attempt to focus on this presence. Somehow, somehow, you attune to this presence, even though it's not a formless spawn, you're able to Mm. see it in your mind's eye. Something shapeless, something undefinable, you can't quite make it out, but whatever it is, it lurks just beyond the barrier of this world and the next, waiting for its chance to be brought through. 
It is also uh. linked to the other presence. The other presence, who you quickly determine, is human or something close to it, locked in communication with this entity. Can I try and rest control? Okay. Please. <laughs> oh no. Please make a power check with advantage. Are you sure you want to do this? Oh no. Fuck it, boys. You only live once. Oh, that's it. That's it. We're done. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay, so the first roll is a 32, which is a pass. I'm going to, uh, that's with, without rolling the advantage roll. The, okay. 32. 32. Mm. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I just have to oh, fight. No. I just have to consult something in my notes. Oh no! Good enough. That's fine. No, okay. It's not. It's just, I was I was getting sleepy before. Now I'm fucking wide awake again. You reach out, <laughs> reach out with your mind, attempting to communicate with the presence. You feel in your mind's eye. You see the unknowable shape, whatever it is. It turns faces in your direction. Suddenly it is aware of you, inviting it to talk to you, inviting it to make a connection. You connect for a split second and a word whispers in your mind and then passes through your lips so that the others may hear it. Death. Then the creature detects that you were there it attunes oh. to it attunes to you and decides it has a gateway through the void the rest of you watch as myra clasps both of her hands to her head and with no fanfare the top of her skull bursts <laughs> open blood and flesh shower all of you as a six-pointed star-shaped hole bores Ooh. through the front of her skull. She has just well, enough time. time she has just enough time to open her mouth and gurgle before her lifeless body falls to the ground, and you all feel the rush of something moving out of the star-shaped hole in her skull, moving past you, speeding out of the corridor. You have just a moment to catch a glimpse of it. Something huge, something vaguely humanoid, shrouded in shadow. For a brief second, it is illuminated by the light of Dr. Earl's the light of Dr. Earl's torch as it scurries by. It is an owl bear if you care to look at it. <laughs> yeah, whatever, I'm gonna. Oh my god! Was it an owl bear this whole time? Oh my god. Oh! oh, 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 oh. We screwed up! 
No, not we. <laughs> As it scurries past you, please make send checks. You didn't pay the effect one. That is a pass. Yeah, that's a fail. Mike, Mike is not happy with this. <laughs> nope. I, I like Myra. Oh, no. God. Oh, God. <laughs> no. I'm oh, so God. Wow. Oh, shit. Okay. Wow. Wow. Just the image. Oh no! Yeah, no. that's gonna that's gonna be in my in my in my dreams tonight. Thank you for that lovely, oh, uh, lovely, lovely fail that Sanchez. Yes. Okay. okay. So for uh, failure, that will be a send loss of one d six, please. For a pass, that'll be a send loss of one d three. All right. Let's see how we go. Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Six. Okay. Arkansas, how did you go? I lost three cents. Okay. <laughs> uh, Eugene Earl and uh, Eugene Earl and Mike Moxley, you know the drill. Make intelligence checks, please. Yay! And I have a twenty percent chance of passing this. Sorry, I have a twenty percent chance of not going insane. Yep, no, that's a 10. I understand everything that I just fucking witnessed. Nope. <laughs> I'm so happy and so sorry at the same time. 42, that's a pass for both of you. Both Eugene Earl and... Eugene Earl and Mike Moxley are gripped by terror and insanity. You let yep. out a terrifying scream as you sink to your knees as Arkansas, gripped with terror, just stands and watches both of you as you fall to your knees and close your eyes. A voice begins to whisper in your head. In an unknowable language. As the terror and insanity overtakes you, you are both blessed with insane insight. Please, right. both of you, increase your Cthulhu Mythos skill by 1d6. Oh, hooray! What a wonderful gift. That's a five. I'll, t I'll take that, but I what don't want that? to... I'm waiting for the downside to this, because there has to be a downside to this, apart from being completely insane. The downside is that... Oh, that's... Oh, wow. Oh, wow, wow. Ah! Eugene Earls went up to 14. The downside... Mine's 25. Wow. The downside Sorry, is that you lose another 1d4 sand. Awesome. <laughs> and that's a four! I just lost 10 sen from this. <laughs> Three. Wow. Yeah, um, this is the... So, um, Dr. Awesome. Earl has gone down from 45 cent to 32 over the course of this episode. Um, yeah, okay. I went, from, I went from 71, I'm now at 59. The lingering presence of whatever monstrosity killed Myra bursting through her brain and the lingering memories of the Hyperboreans buried in this place whisper in the recesses of your mind, granting you a spell. Summon Dash. This spell summons a Dash 
using the brain of a selected target as a gateway. The summoning cost yep. is six magic points and one D8 yep. sanity points. The spell may be yep. cast at any human target within sight of the caster, or a human who is detected at long range using the sense life spell. The caster must overcome the power of his intended target with his own power. If successful, the greater dash gates through the brain of the target, a star-shaped opening blowing out of their skull as the dash emerges in a glow of blue, white witch fire. This instantly kills the target and costs anyone witnessing the event 1d6 sanity points if they fail a sand check. If the target resists the spell, the summoning fails, but the target must make a luck roll or slip into a semi-coma, forming a mental link between the caster and the target that lasts until one or the other is dead. It is at this point, as the voices stop whispering, your, your insanity begins to subside and you are left back in control of your faculties with terror remaining in the back of your mind that you realised that you realise what just happened somebody outside the tomb was watching you with a sense life spell and was, at was attempting or perhaps contemplating to use one of you as the gate for a dash when Myra hijacked this spell she made herself the target fuck you bitch I'll take your options away from you <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Good luck, fellas! <laughs> Mike is on the floor cradling his fucking camera going, What the hell have we walked into? The dash itself. Seriously. The dash itself, once summoned, cannot subsist for long in the real world and will return to its home within 24 hours. It has now been summoned, but for what purpose? I, I don't know, and I don't think I care enough. I hope it goes after <laughs> the other asshole and murders his ass. You step as you. Oh, I'm not gonna get be. I'm not gonna be able to stab him now. Oh. No, you're not. Gonna... <laughs> no, you will be in the next but... episode. <laughs> what? You will be in the next episode because I'm making this a two-parter now that this has happened. Because <laughs> um, I want Remy to have the chance to avenge his character. <laughs> um, Even that was fully my fault. Yeah, I know, but it I still want him to. your fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let me just scroll back up to where I was in my notes. <laughs> and as you pull, as you pull yourselves back up to your feet. You see that Arkansas has progressed a little bit further down the corridor and Eugene Earl, holding his torch light high, leads you on, Mike, and you follow. About 20 feet down the second corridor, you discover the body of Sam Horse Saddle lying face down on the floor. Arkansas leans over and uses his foot to roll him over. You notice there is a six-armed star-shaped hole on the top of his head. Fragments of blood and bone 
make it apparent something exploded outward from inside the man's skull. And now you know perfectly well what it was. <laughs> Beyond Sam's body is nothing but a wall of dirt and rock barring further access to the corridor. It's obvious that this is the current extent of Oram Hilbridge's dig, and he has yet to unearth any more of the so-called burial vault. Would you like Arkansas to make an archaeology check, please? Oh. That is a regular pass. You step around the body, walk up to the solid wall of packed earth, and press your hand upon it. You realise that Orem and Sam have been digging into virgin soil. Hillbridge has penetrated a layer of gravel that the Hyperboreans have used as a construction base and are now excavating nothing but dirt. They have reached the end of the vault but have continued to dig onwards in the completely wrong direction. That buffoon. If you'd like to archaeology, if it bit him in the butt. If you'd like to check Sam Horse Saddle's body, please make a spot hidden check. I doubt you need to make a medicine check because you already know what killed him. Yeah. Uh, what check was it? A spot hidden, please. Spot hidden. Um, that's a fail. Mike, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I'll definitely look around. My eyes are wide freaking open. Let's go. That's a pass. That's a pass. You stand over the body. Aside from the star-shaped hole in the top of his head, he appears to be unmarked. His face is frozen in an expression of fear, and his mouth is open in permanent shock. In his breast pocket, caked with blood, you see a piece of paper folded up. Covering your mouth to block out the smell of the smell of Hellbridge's body, which is already at least a day old, you reach your hands into his breast pocket and pull out the piece of paper. This is what it says. It is in our bear. Okay. Let's see what we got here. 8am, start of work day. Hillbridge, late again. 10am, Hillbridge on site. Need to discuss payment for early start. 11am, Chapel Post... Does it say Chapel? Charnel. Charnel. Ah, the thing that Arkansas found. Ah, right. Chapel Post in service debris. Must confer with El Sanamaker. Are you guarding burial sites? 12pm, Hillbridge and Aaron, new people from Arkham. 5pm, John entered Crypt Unannounced, asked a dust machine again. Huh. And with that, we will leave it here. Okay. As you make your way out of the crypt, passing by Myra's body, 
you are overcome with sadness and fear as you make your way out. Passing the hieroglyphics still humming with static electricity. Passing the triangular shelf from which the smell of battery acid still emanates. You emerge once again into the late morning sunlight outside the tomb, into the excavation site proper. And that's when you both notice a third set of footprints emerging from behind a rock slightly above the entrance to the crypt above the pitch black opening the footprints are extremely recent running over the thick grass crushing it indicating that someone has very recently fled down the other side of the hill, perhaps into the woods, into the tree line that exists on the other side of the creek and Miskatonic River. Somebody was hiding outside of the crypt. Somebody watched you enter. They were waiting, watching you magically. And it appears, whoever they are, they got what they wanted. Do not adjust your sanity or any of your skills. You gain no rewards, for this is simply the end of part one of The Dark Wood. Next episode, we will do part two of The Dark Wood. As you return to Orem, who even now, as you slowly make your way down the side of the hill, you can see is still waiting at the end of the road, leaning against the wooden fence post, completely unaware of the horrors that have just fallen <laughs> Sam. I just realized Myra's dead. I can freaking tell him. Yes, you can. <laughs> I'll tell him. I don't care. <laughs> and so, <Okay. laughs> as he sees you walking down the side of the hill, he waves jovially at you and... Does he see the blood on us? Mm. Yep. As you reach the bottom of the hill and stand by the side of the creek in amongst the debris that he carelessly discarded, he steps through the mud, looks at you, and says, That goddamn Indian, he's more than half an hour late now. It's by... It's nearly 11 a.m. for Christ's sake. That is enough out of you. I was going to say, Mike, without even noticing the other, walks up and literally grabs this guy by his friggin' shirt and goes, Listen, you sorry son of a bitch. You want to know who that friggin' idiot is? He's down in the vault and he's dead. He's freaking dead. His brains are all over the goddamn walls. And so is Moira. So shut your freaking mouth. His eyes grow wide as he trails off mid-sentence. You sit there holding the front of his cuff. He stammers. Well, I... I... He looks down. He sees the... He sees the sprays of blood spatter, brain matter and bone scattered over the front of your clothing. 
he opens his mouth to say something, and then he says simply, Oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Oh, really? (laughs) Rebecca (laughs) is in grave danger. And with that, he sinks into a dead faint in your hands. No, 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 you don't get to pass out. I still want to yell at you some more. Dunk him in the river. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get off that easy. I haven't had my say yet. Dunk him in the river. Mike. So Mike just throws him on the floor and then sits there kicking and punching his Orem's unconscious form, yelling at him about the terrible mistake he made. Your, Your protests... Screaming a mixture of anger and sadness, screaming insults and rage-filled epithets at him, while tears run down your face. Yep, that'll be covered. That concludes part one of the Dark Wood, and part one of Aram's uh, yeah. punishment. Yes. <laughs> Is anything yeah. about Arkansas and the abuse that archaeology has taken because of this man? Yes. <laughs> I believe you all have uh came you all have a reasonable suspicion as to who is responsible for the deaths of Sam and Myra. I mean aside from Yeah. yeah. Aside from Orem Hillridge. <laughs> Pretty solid guess. <laughs> and so, next episode, we'll pick up in part two of The Dark Wood as our investigators grieve Myra and turn their attention to John Courage, the servant of the Desh, their adversary, mm. and perhaps a servant and descendant of the Hyperboreans. I would like to thank everyone for joining us today. I'd like to thank Kitty and Fish for hanging around and BCG for stopping in. I'd like to thank Elena Beans One for the follow. And of course, I would like to thank Polyhedra TV for raiding with a party of six. Piers, oh, thank lots you. Of people enjoyed this episode, which also nice. contributed to my choice to extend it to a two-parter. <laughs> and so, yes. with that bringing us firmly into the second half of the Terror of Sothogua campaign, we've lost one of our original cast members, and that should tell you that well, things, are getting, doing so well too. things are getting darker, <laughs> things are getting more dangerous. Sothogua and his children... Hyperboreans still lurk. What plans do they have for humanity? It's up to Mike Moxley, Arkansas, mm. Dr. Eugene Earl, and Victor Carisberg to find out. Dangerous combination. Until mm. then, when you detect something beyond the void, looking for a way into our world, don't attempt to invite it to link with your mind. Mm. When the void stares at you, for the love of yeah, God, don't, don't stare, stare back. back. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye, Bye. everybody.